three cinephiles have come together to bring you strong opinions, controversial statements, epic battles, and plenty of fun. Introducing our host, the man who watches 52 movies a week, drinks 52 beers a movie, loves women but hates the woman, from the foreign land of Canada, our host, Mood616. He is widely known as the man who talks too much. His worst enemies are Postmaster P and Pee Wee Herman. He said Hellraiser was overrated and Leprechaun Origins wouldn't suck. He's the full-blooded half-Mexican, JP. Finally, we have the man who doesn't talk enough. He is best friends with Sean S. Cunningham. His favorite horror movie is Gummo. He is your favorite Jew and mine, Jeremy. Together, they are known for extending a helping hand to Vampircons everywhere. They are the 22 shots of moods and horror. Yes, yes, y'all, it's going down right here. Episode 47 of the 22 Shots of Moods and Horrors coming at you live. I'm your host, Mood616, and of course, I have always got my two prophets with me. NES Ruler 22, always doing the good for Judaism. <laughs> and of course, I've got Double Shot J doing all the good stuff for all the hot burritos around the world. What's up, homies? Prophecies? Oh, yeah, That's up, lame. Come on, <laughs> man. Oh, do you, do you not see the connection between the prophets and the main featured review today? Come on. You've got to be kidding. It went a little over his head. Yeah, sorry. I fucking, we'll get into that a little bit later. <laughs> oh, sorry, wow. I'm just an idiot. So, so, yes, the main review today, Dark Hall, of course, has to do with a prophecy. You know, the Jersey Devils, hence prophet. Okay, seriously, you have to explain this. Come on. <laughs> Yes. Um, but first off, I want to uh, talk about the um, our contest, our episode 50 contest. So I think technically we have a little couple revisions to the rules. Nothing too drastic at all, of course. <clears throat> um, so basically what we're figuring now, uh, well, actually, no, I'll start off with if you're not familiar with the contest, basically what it is for episode 50, uh, we are doing your our top 50 most influential films of the last 50 years. So basically from 1965 until present day, which is 2015. And what we want you to do is phone in, leave a voice message with your most influential film of those 50 years and explain a little bit why you chose that film. Yeah, why is it the most influential to you? What do you think that it did for the genre? Blah, blah. All exactly. That good stuff. Exactly. Now, here's where the little bit of a revision comes into play here. Um, if you're not comfortable phoning the, you know, and leaving a voicemail and stuff, we've decided that um, I think it would be cool um, if you have a YouTube channel, if, you know, whatever, to possibly just make a video, you know, explaining, you know, what your choice is and stuff like that. And that would be a, an easier way for people to do because, you know, we've all, we've heard through the grapevine and some people aren't comfortable leaving the voicemails and we figured it might be more comfortable for people to possibly make a video because you can reshoot, edit, you know, stuff like that. So, um, and then just possibly link it to this episode, which is episode 47. I'd like to keep it on this episode. So it'd be easier for me to find or all of us to find, you know, for when the time comes so you can get your entries in. And yeah, I think that was pretty much what we had for the revisions. Was there anything else? Texas Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> Boots, Boots is losing it. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that's pretty much what we had, though. Isn't isn't it what we had, JP? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Just you know, link it up. Make sure you link it to the email or 
that vi- this video right here, which will be episode 47, I believe. Fif- yeah, 47. So basically everything I just said. So it's 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 nice to know that I do have an echo around here. Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So mm-hmm. yeah, so so just minor minor. Um, uh, th- so oh, actually, I did have a recent question too about um, shipping internationally. Now I've recently come in contact with somebody that actually asked me if we were willing to ship internationally because he was kind of hesitant on leaving a voicemail because he wasn't sure if we were actually going to do that because we never did state. Um, I have no problem with it. These guys are little bitchy whiners and we're kind of complaining about shipping overseas because it is a little rather expensive. But I think ultimately what we've come down to is, yeah, I think we eventually will. So, but I think most of the people that are going to enter are actually from North America anyways. So who knows? We really don't know. But ultimately, yes, we'll ship internationally. Why not? So phone in, leave those messages, make a, make a video, link it to this video. And yeah, you're entered in the contest. It's as easy as that, man. All you got to do is say the name of the film and the reason why. So yeah, pretty easy stuff, right? Yeah. So like, like JP said last week, there's absolutely no reason for you not to do, to enter this contest. Cause it's as simple as that. And, you know, just to refresh your memory, there's going to be lots and lots of prizes, you know, stuff all over the place. I'm not too sure what uh, Jeremy and JP are giving away, but I do have a quite a bit of stack and it's going to grow in the next couple weeks too. Cause I got some other stuff I'm going to grab, but you know, like I said, there's just no reason. I I will probably have probably about 10, 10, 10 total things. So around five prizes. Um, but my, mine will be new most likely, uh, you know, still sealed. Um, so yeah, I, I, I got a few, I got about three things so far. I told you the, uh, troll, uh, two Blu-ray and the, uh, best worst movie documentary. So that's kind of a, they'll be themed like that. That's pretty sweet. That's pretty sweet. So if you have any more questions, of course, just leave a comment or a voicemail Yeah. (laughs) Uh, about the contest, because I mean, like I said, it's pretty, pretty simple. So yeah, that's that. So what is going on, guys? Anything new in the lives of the two prophets that mm. completely went over Jeremy's head? <laughs> you know what? Fuck you. Bearded asshole. Uh, I'm the big bad moods. Mm, yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. Just just sometimes. Not all the time. No, I, I, I'm just... I'm the, I'm the guy that likes to push buttons. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty awesome. So what's going on, guys? I did absolutely nothing important this week. Next. Nothing? Wow. Yeah, I didn't really do anything fun either. Man, we just sound like... Well, what did so... you do? Um, Besides <laughs> masturbate with sandpaper yesterday. <laughs> yeah. Um, actually, man, I've been super busy this week just with life bullshit that I don't really want to get into. But yeah, I've really I've had no time like during the day for anything fun. So nighttime, I spent my time just watching films. Of course. What else is Of new? course. But I'm, I'm talking like during the night, like, you know, <laughs> between like midnight and 430 in the morning. But um, yeah, not a whole lot, man. Pretty fucking standard week. Pretty damn shitty. <laughs> That's boring. Why do we even talk about this shit anymore? We have nothing to talk about. But I am excited, though, because uh, baseball season is vastly approaching. Yep. The actual season, I'm so excited. I know Jeremy's excited for his Cubs because they made a lot of moves in the offseason. Uh, they actually have a chance. They are potentially looking a lot better than last year. Um, no, and I always say potentially because because baseball is one of those sports where guys seem to go down left and right. It's like I'm a Jays fan, and we all know that every single season all of our guys get hurt. 
and we've already lost Strowman, so really, really hurts already in the season. And uh, yeah, but I'm looking forward to. I know JP's not a baseball fan, so he's not going to jump into this conversation. Mexicans Surprised he hasn't don't screamed. Like baseball, like literally. I thought Mexicans you... did like baseball. Nah, they only like football. No, there's. Um, no, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know. Let's get all stereotypical on it. No, it's just true. <laughs> okay. It's like um, Americans don't watch soccer. But then again, but then again, who doesn't like soccer in the world, though? I mean, besides Americans. Besides Americans and exactly. North Americans, I, I hate in general. No, not North Americans. Mexico fucking loves. Yeah, that's so, more so, south. That's more south. It's still America. North America, you dumbass. It, I'm just saying. I'm talking. I'm talking America and uh, in Canada. You're talking about the only important part of America is what he's trying to say. <laughs> fucking asshole. That's not nice. <laughs> I think I'm allowed to say that. No, you're totally not allowed to say that. <laughs> that's still, that's still, you know, not cool. You know, even Mexico towards City is only the biggest city in the entire world, you know. No, what I'm saying is that like, Canadians are just. Not hey, my grandparents moved place, here but... for a reason. Just saying. <laughs> yeah. Alrighty. Well, I can I can see where this conversation is going. So we should probably maybe just skip right into about? the. Uh, oh yeah, baseball Mexicans. Baseball and Mexicans, but yeah, there's not really a whole lot to say right now. It's still spring training and. There's split squads, and I, I'm not really a big fan of watching spring training on TV because of the split squads. And you know, it, the baseball is kind of like whatever, but you know, season is starting actually in two weeks, yep. so pretty stoked, pretty stoked on that. But uh, JP, do we got some news? Uh, yeah, we have some news this week. A few interesting bits, but mostly just uh, not much happening in the news world. So uh, the first thing that happened over the week, guys, is the Insidious 3 trailer came out. And I specifically mentioned that because if you remember a while back, Insidious 2 came out. And I watched the trailer and I was like, guys, it looks really awesome and I can't wait to see it. And then when I finally did see it, I mentioned that's the reason I don't watch trailers anymore. So I skipped this one specifically because Insidious 2 burned me because all the money shots was in the trailer. It was a really good trailer, but it also kind of hurt the movie a lot, actually. So I don't watch trailers anymore. I didn't check it out. Did either of you? I don't really care about those movies. I'm in the same boat as you, man. Being honest. I'm in the same boat as you, man. I'm not a big fan of watching new trailers. Like I, like I always stress how much I like watching trailer compilations of like older films. But that's yeah. different, though. Well, for one, they but newer films, give everything away in the older well, films and that, as well. That's that's the cool thing, man. That yeah, you know, they're just done differently back in the day. But newer films, yeah, I really try to stray away from them. Um, especially films like you know, Insidious. You know, seeing a trailer for that is like, fuck, I don't know, man. But, you know, I still haven't even seen the second film yet, so... It is good. I'm not going to check just, out the trailer for the third one. ruined for me in the uh, trailer. But uh, I, I'm a huge fan of the first Insidious, and Insidious 2 probably would have been something that I really loved had the trailer not gave everything away for me. So yeah, check out the Insidious 3 trailer, or if you like us, don't. So after that, we have It Follows. This is a film that's been gaining a lot of hype. Seeing it tomorrow. Jeremy's seeing it tomorrow. And one of the reasons why he's probably seeing it tomorrow is because this film initially uh, was going to be released on video on demand March 27th. But following a very strong limited release, uh, only playing in four theaters, it ended up gaining $160,000 in just those four theaters, two in Los Angeles, two in New York. So now the Weinstein Company and Radius are giving it a nationwide release. 
and they will be opening in 40 theaters this weekend and then roll out to over a thousand theaters next weekend. Um, and yep. the film only costs two million to make. So we've seen this model for a long time. Indies will get hit the festival circuit, get a bunch of reviews, and then every once in a while, after they get that initial uh, limited release in you know just a couple theaters, we'll see it break through into the mainstream. And those are usually the ones that are pretty good. Although there are a lot of indies that are good that just never make it there. It's it's more than just it being good. There's something else involved. It's like catching lightning in a bottle when you are able to do this. So I'm very happy to see that because if anything, if it's, if anything that people are saying about it is true, then this should be a good one for this year. And to see it get a massive release is awesome. Yeah, I'm excited. It's supposed to be really good from what I've heard. Coolio. That's good I would have saw it today if it wasn't for the show. But Oh, God. Hey. <laughs> Come on. Am I here? <laughs> yeah. I mean, physically, yeah. Mentally, Oh, nah. fuck you. Maybe it's just because it might be nominated for an Oscar that I just have to... <laughs> my mindset's just gone. Oh, God. The show is always prohibiting Jeremy's fun activities, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, always. But this is good news, though. It's good shit. Yeah. So after that, we have a bit of, you know what? It kind of slowed down the TV show announcements for things that already existed, like a franchise that gets a TV show. We've seen it with From Dust Till Dawn. We've seen it with Psycho. You know, the Bates Motel is on A&E. Now it came back and we're seeing this again because A&E is now planning to make a Let the Right One In TV series. Yeah. Let that sink in for a little bit. Yeah, I'm going to sink my teeth into this one. Oh, I know, bad joke. Um, yeah, I thought about this, and I was like, really, another vampire-based fucking television show? It's not actually too many out there. But there's, uh, there's a good bit, dude. There's a couple of them, and my point that I was trying to make before I was, you know, rudely interrupted by NES Ruler um, is that why don't they just make a goddamn fucking werewolf show or something like they like just teen wolf? do something yeah well, be, but like a good one like not like teen wolf like a good one hemlock grove i haven't watched hemlock grove yet actually is that a, actually any good but i, 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 I guess so. I, I guess we're kind of running out of things but like vampire it just seemed to me i was like really another vampire show there's so many of them and some long-lasting ones too and i was like i don't know i don't know well it's yeah, is Hemlock Grove actually going to be doing a second season? It already did a second season. It's doing a third season. Oh shit! <laughs> yeah. So, but the third one, I, I think, is the last season that they're. Doing. Okay, that's okay. I wasn't sure if that. Yeah, I can't remember. I still haven't watched the first one, so. Mm. Like I said, but I don't know, man. What What are your guys' thoughts on this fucking vampire shows? Really? Well, so one thing, first of all, I think that. Something interesting that I read from the article was that originally they were in a A and E was in a bidding war with Showtime to produce this show and lost to and Showtime lost. So one, it's going to be neutered sucks. a little bit because as we know, Showtime brought us Dexter and a few it's other good. shows that uh, you know kind of pushed the envelope. Or you can just do more, right? I mean, you could do more on on a network like that than you can on A&E. But I will say, you know, that there was some pretty 
envelope pushing stuff in the first season of the Bates Motel. I haven't got to the second season and now the third season yet, but I remember that first season being a little, uh, you know, out there with uh, its, you know, violence and there was a rape scene and stuff like that. So, I mean, we could probably see some good stuff, but my initial reaction, and this is my honest one, is very, very disappointed because now I know that I don't know if it's going to be bad, but I felt like what made Let the Right One In so good wasn't the story. The story was decent and solid, but it was the execution of that story, the character development, the cinematography. And I just don't see that transitioning into a TV show. You're not going to have that same attachment to these characters. You're not going to be able to see it, 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 I don't see it working in a long-term narrative. It just doesn't seem like it's something that would be good for that. Hmm. <clears throat> yeah, that's interesting. I, 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 actually, I actually kind of agree, to be honest, but yeah. What about you, Jeremy? Oh, am I allowed to talk now? Am I, not, am I allowed permission, not to interrupt permission anybody? Permission granted. Now? Oh, no. Um... <laughs> I don't know. I really don't care about TV. You know that. And that's why you're not allowed to talk right okay. there because you don't have <laughs> I don't know, man. I, I, was really try- I was really trying to you know, think about this one and I keep coming down to the fact that like you know, basically what you said I completely agree with too, man. A long stretched out narrative for this yeah. type of story. I mean I'm just kind of – I am kind of curious on how they're going to do it if they're going to use the same you know, kind of storyline. I imagine they will be, right? Well, if anything, the storyline does, the overall storyline does add, does, you know, work for that long term narrative because you're dealing with a girl who's been on the earth for a very long time and she's yeah, been totally. using people to kind of be her, uh, you know, guardian in the human world, kind of, you know, like almost like a, uh, a fake like facade type thing. And then she's, you know, she's kind of like seducing them, if you will. And that kind of works for a long-term thing. But at the core, that's not what Let the Right One In was about. That's just what it started out as. That's what it was on the outside. But when you really got into it, it was about that that coming together, uh, you know, mm. story that happened with those two characters. And it, it played out. It finished. It, like, I don't see... It's not going to have the same weight if they just turn this into... Maybe that's what they plan on doing with it, you know, telling the story of her. You know, like you said, she's been on the earth for so long and maybe telling her story, Mm -hmm. you know, and kind of exploring her character and it's her journey on earth, basically. I'm sure they will do something Because that's how you can really extend it. You can make endless... There's endless possibilities Mm -hmm. to that, really. So, I mean, if they just follow her character and not have, like, a central, you know... But, you know, protagonist, but even in like, let the right one in though, like that story isn't original. What what, (laughs) what made it so amazing was the way they told it. And that's not, no, I just can't see it working on TV. Yeah. I mean, I I think they will probably change a little bit of that. So who knows? We'll see. I mean, I'm usually optimistic, but I just, I just am not feeling this one. Yeah. I was just kind of bummed out. I was like, I don't know. Yeah, because I, I love that film, man. Like, that's one of my favorites in the last, you know, 10 years or whatever, so. But they are really pushing this, aren't they? Like, you know, converting films into TV shows. Like, they are really going I think we've talked about it many times that this is the new remake. 
And yeah, it's kind of like what the early 2000s did with, uh, you know, like reality TV. You know, a couple shows made it big and then they just, it, there was fucking, at one point there was over 200 on television at one if, time. If there's one good you know? thing about it though, is for the most part, now I haven't seen all of them, but for the most part, they seem to be pretty well received by the horror mm-hmm. fans. Like, you know, mm-hmm. from Dust Till Dawn and Hannibal and Bates Motel, they all have their audience. And, uh, you know, even the more original ones like American Horror Story and The Walking Dead. Kind yeah. of. And these are so specific to, like, you know, the big genres, too. Like, you know, vampires and werewolves and, and, and things like that. Like, you know, zombies. But, you know, yeah, of course, zombies, right? Uh, I think the Bates Motel is a really cool one. That's an interesting premise. Uh, it's but, actually uh, really cheap on Amazon right now on Blu-ray. It's like $20 a season for, bo- uh, you know, one season's 20 and the other one's 20 so what would what would be your thoughts if you know another TV show got announced? Say they wanted to do a television show on you know Phantasm, you know, kind of take that story and just kind of honestly that could work because I, see, what I you think do, there's endless possibilities. In that. Yeah, because the 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 nightmare logic of the Phantasm series it just works that way. Like you follow Reggie and Mike and their you know trip across you know from town to town dealing with the tall man's minions like that that is actually perfect for a tv show so i, mean, I know i never I, considered that but that's an interesting thought i actually thought about this the other night i was sitting on the airplane <laughs> at like three in the morning and i was thinking about this after i was reading the news about let the right one in and i was like phantasm would be a perfect one to f- explore in a television show because there's so much you can do with it and plus it, the only problem that I was running into while I was thinking about it was kind of marketing because I think these TV shows are so much easier to market when they're, you know, they're about, they're exploiting vampires and zombies and werewolves. Those are really easy and notable things. They, they kind of, they kind of appeal to everybody. You know, if you're 12 years old or if you're 50, you know, you just know what a vampire is right away. But phantasm, it's already kind of a mystery to everybody, you know, and I think it'd be a little harder to market, but at the same time, I think if it's done right, it could really fucking work because there's endless possibilities and it's not following the norm, which I kind of like too. I almost feel like that show would benefit a little bit from the fans of it, but I feel like so many people would be just unaware of it that it could just appeal to people who just like if it was on like the sci-fi channel or something. I know the sci-fi channel is genuinely known for like bad stuff, but um, I could see like a lot of people like coming around and watching oh, that. Shit. Like it, it, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> foreshadowing. Um, <laughs> so I could see it working, you know, <laughs> in that level of of kind of creating like bringing in a new audience and creating a new fandom. But um, I, the only thing is, I I know that it would be a different show because I don't think. The, the people that would be directing it, you know, each episode would truly be able to deliver on the nightmare logic that, let's say, like, Coscarelli was able to do for so long. So it would be oh, a different I, show, but it would still be in the world. It probably wouldn't be as, um, you know, technically awesome. But mm-hmm. I, it would be just – it would be more like Phantasm 2, I think, where it's like – it's fun. It's just like – it's, you know – them getting into you know shit each week you know the the adventures of reggie and mike as they are tracking down the tall man from week to week and getting into all of his different minions inside like it could be really yeah. cool and the, there's yeah. always the ball after him like it, i'm seeing it like i could see this thing mm-hmm. that's interesting 
Yeah, I know. I, I really I thought it was a good idea. I, I know we talked about it a long time ago, but, you know, even bringing the Hellraiser story to the big screen. Cause there's Showtime a lot of would kill a Hellraiser show like in a good yeah, and that, it would. Yeah, it would knock it out of the park. I, I think that's it because there's awesome. we've always said that there's so much story and there's so many things to tell and you can just go on every, you know, different tangent. Like there's just so many things you can do with the Hellraiser story um i think that would be another really cool one it's just interesting and harder to market because it's just not as familiar to people but you know i think if it's done properly i think it can be uh you know a hit i just so, see all the sex and nudity and bloody violence on showtime and it just killing yeah. like a late night spot at like 11 p.m or something mm-hmm. see these are the type of ideas that i get you know excited about when i hear let the right one in i hear vampires i'm just like you know i'm not against vampires whatsoever i don't want people to think that it's just i just think it's you know, let's let's try something different. You know, I mean, it's about the money. It is really about the money, and like I said, it comes back to marketing and it, you know, the familiarity of what a vampire is. You know, people don't care. You know, they hear vampires like, oh, I'll check that out. You know, if you if you like vampires, it's like whatever. You know, you hear True Blood was about vampires and shape shit, all this type of shit and stuff. You're like, well, whatever, I'll check it out. You know, yeah. it just sells itself, really. So, but there was the, – that's the thing, though. I mean, if it's about money, something like Hellraiser would definitely perform more than something like Let the Right One In. Yeah, I mean, it's debatable, right? At least it's, initially, it's really right? Initially, that, that premiere episode, you know, based on name value alone, you would think – you would think – because most people don't know Let the Right One In. Only they know Let Me In, you know, the American remake. Uh, but Hellraiser, man, everybody knows Hellraiser. Yeah. Yeah, I mean – But I that's I the Weinsteins they... though, dude. Those guys have been teasing a Hellraiser TV show and or remake for a long time. I know. I know. It's kind of a shame that – who knows if it will ever materialize. But if it does, me, I mean I, I'm on board. I'm definitely on board. So, okay. So, a cor- you know, moving on with TV shows, uh, Sean Cunningham or Cunningham, uh, my best friend, you know, yeah, <laughs> um, was in an interview and he confirmed that the CW was interested in the TV show. Um, and the basic premise focused on real the real city of Crystal Lake and the effect that the serial serialized films had had on its real life counterpart. This allows them to reimagine Jason in a more grounded reality as as the films would be based off of real-life killings that took place at the camp. So that sounds very meta to me, right? I mean, so the idea is the Jason films were created based on a real-life killer who lived in this town of Crystal Lake. And now they're dealing with that. And, I don't get it. You know. It's it's interesting. I I don't know. I don't know if it'll fully work, but JP, you're not saying much. I mean, at least it's it, it kind of got me thinking. I'm kind of lost for words a little well, bit. Well, it, it sounds like Scream to me. Is what it sounds like. Yeah, maybe a little bit. Yeah, because you're taking it's like it's set in a world where the Friday the Thirteenth films exist, mm-hmm. and they were based off of a killer All right, I named get it. Jason who yeah. lived I okay, in the town I, of Crystal yeah. Lake. Mm-hmm. And now, like there is a, re- but there is a real Jason. So it's like, I, it's it, it's like kind of not ignoring the original film series, but it's kind of like it, it's weird, man. I don't it's know. Just kind of I don't know its how I feel little, about that. It's a, it's putting its own little spin on it, but yeah, I don't know, man. You know, some of these ideas are so hard to to you know to voice an opinion on because 
I don't know, man. I got to see it first. You know, it, it sounds okay to me. I kind of like the whole, you know, based in the that world, and I like the I like that premise though. I'm not gonna lie, I, I kind of dig it. Yeah. So I don't know. We'll see I, how that goes. We'll see how yeah. that goes. Uh, after that, Twin Peaks question mark. So uh, during a Q and A session, Lynch was asked if the show was definitely happening. His response was, "I don't know. There are complications." And then oh, he said, the and then in a later interview, he said, uh, I haven't returned yet and we're still working on the contract, but I love the war of Twin Peaks and I love those characters. And I think it would be, be very special to go back into that world. Haven't they already like done casting for it and everything? Yeah, well, they, yeah, but that doesn't mean that he's returning, right? I mean. That he's if yeah, the show is happening, it could still happen without. That's so crazy! I totally thought that he was already signed on to do to direct the first season. Well, for some reason, I was under the impression that he was like, like it was his series or something, and it was him bringing it back. But I guess, I guess it it's just being brought back, and he was attached, and now he might still be, and or might not be. Ah, all these false releases. <laughs> yeah. Well, that sucks, man, because I was really looking forward to that. Because I remember when it got announced that David Lynch was on board and was actually directing all the episodes. What was it, like seven or eight episodes or something? Yeah. Originally, I, I don't remember what it was. It was kind of like a, you know, like a newfound pilot episode or pilot season or whatever. But they were all apparently directed by David Lynch. And I was like, holy shit, man. Because I remember. In the original series, David Lynch only did, I believe, the first episode, the pilot episode, and I think he directed the first episode in the second season, too. I think that's all he did. I can't quite remember. I haven't watched it in a while or checked out the credits, but I think that might be around right. Um, so I was really excited because, you know, David Lynch doesn't really direct a lot of films anymore. Doesn't direct um, anything. In fact, he hasn't done one since Inland Empire, which came out like yeah. fucking 10 years ago, at least now, yeah. or something like that. He doesn't which, do anything anymore. Yeah, he's just kind of. Being weird, <laughs> which sucks, man. Because I personally really enjoyed Inland Empire. I thought it was a fucking oh my god, that was a trippy movie. Uh, but yeah, I'm getting off on a strain off on another tangent here. Um, but yeah, that had me excited, man. I'm really bummed out now that you know they haven't come to contracts. Fucking contracts, man. Seriously. Yeah, <laughs> bummed out. Definitely. That sucks, man. Because I love David Lynch, man. He's great. Yeah. So, uh, moving on to some of the DVD announcements. Uh, Roadside, this is being put out by Image Entertainment. It's supposed to hit DVD and digital download April 14th of 2015. It is about a, you know, SUV that gets, you know, stuck with a tree blocking their path and, uh, you know, they find themselves being hostage on the side of the road. So, uh, it sounds like some contained slash road horror, which I'm a fan of. Um, but it is image. So we'll see. <laughs> you don't sound very stoked right now. You're just like, yeah. And it's road, road horror, which I'm a fan of. And... <laughs> well, the reason I'm not super excited is because we've talked about this one on every stage of its development. So now we've got to the release point and I'm like, yeah, I'm tired kind of, of done with about talking it about it. And just, just like, yeah, ready to see this. it or just, you know, wait to move see it, whatever. On. So let's just move on with that. And uh, next up is this is a funny announcement. And I wasn't even going to – normally when I see these, I just forget to write them down. But I just thought it was funny because, like, the next uh, Full Moon Blu-ray that's coming out is the Vampire Journals, Street Date 721. But Jesus Christ, the Vampire Journals is, like, Why one of their worst out? films. 
<laughs> Dude, it's so like, boring. It's like, the, it's like the spin-off film of the subspecies the, of the subspecies yeah. franchise. They actually released that one after part 3. Yeah. And then they ended up releasing a part four in that series, but it, it throws people off to like, what the fuck's vampire? Drama? Yeah, it's in the uh, subspecies box set that Full Moon put out a few years ago, and yeah, it takes place with the one of the lead characters in part four. I believe it's been so long, but but this is like a side story mm-hmm. uh, that happens before part four. Um, it's pretty not good. Like seriously, it's it's pretty damn boring. It's actually really shitty, man. Yeah, it's bad. It's pretty bad. Da- pretty bad. D- J- or JP, don't you have like three, like two or three copies? Three. Of them? <laughs> I knew where he was going with that. Why do you have three copies? I don't know. I remember we were I joking about this. We were trying to come. To, he, he was trying to figure it out one time. And he's like, "How the fuck do I have three copies of one of the like worst single movies editions ever? or like in box sets?" I have stuff. I have one copy that came in the box set, which is a like it's in its own DVD case and stuff, and then I have another copy in a single release the actual solo release version and then i have another copy in like a multi-pack um but it's weird (laughs) so that's coming with an audio commentary by ted nikolai uh who is pretty cool and and charles band so that would be fun to hear him talk in general he's always an amazing talker so what happened to full moon releasing a blu-ray a month is never back it was it was about three or four months ago they started you know they got back into the Blu-ray thing and then Charles Bannon announced that they were going to release a Blu-ray a month and it kind of got halted. I know they did like um, not Castle Freak um, uh, subspecies tourist tourist trap uh-huh. and that that thing was butchered to shit and they released like a cut version yeah and then they released uh, I think Doctor Mor- Morbid. Um, I think they released a couple more, but they they were supposed to be releasing the, one a month. The Mod Toys versus whatever. Well, maybe they yeah. are releasing one a month. <laughs> but, well, if this one's released, yeah, I don't know. I, I just don't know what the newest or the latest releases are. Because I did see one for D- Dollman and Demonic Toys recently, I thought. so. Yeah, well, that was, it's, been, it's been out for a little bit, but I, they just haven't released one in a little... Oh, no, they did the Transfers, Transfers Blu-ray a couple months ago, too, but... I don't know. I, on that note, they actually said that they're going to uh, release those uh, <clears throat> the Jess Franco collection. You know the ten. Oh films. yeah, yeah, that's right. They're, yeah, they they're supposed to be stuff. releasing those uh, apparently one a month, starting in a few months, I believe, in October or something or something like that. I watched like a little Charles Band vidcast video, and he said he's it. been doing those they're, for years. Yeah, they've been coming out. It's coming out soon, but he's like, "Well, we just need some money." <laughs> what the fuck? How do you not have money? You charge seventy eight dollars to <laughs> ship something. How do you not? That's have what any I was money? thinking too, but I don't know. Yeah, but, but that's so Charles, that's that Charles Mann's money. Can't be dipping into that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Dude, Charles Mann, I I respect what he's done. Even though it's ridiculous, he's stayed in this horror world, this cutthroat horror distribution world forever. And he's done it when other companies have shriveled up and died so well that's whatever he's doing he's always doing something he's always keeping up with the now like you know with netflix being like the new movie store he basically said oh fuck i'm gonna have full moon streaming and he's always done that dude he's always been either right there with the times or ahead of them so what are we gonna get full moon 3d glasses or something that we put over our faces and we're submersed into the fucking full moon worlds oh god I hope not. <laughs> but, you know, like, but Charles Band, he's cool though, man. Like he, you know, he he launches Full Moon Streaming, but then he strikes a deal with you know like Blue Underground, and you know he gets all those type call types. So he's always kind of moving forward. He's always trying to you know do other things and you know 
Yeah, he might just steal some money from you in the process. And exactly. that's cool. I'm okay I mean, with that, Charles. Man. You get full moon streaming with you know all these cult blue right uh, blue underground titles. But if you buy something from his website, you not only have to give him a check for four hundred and twenty one dollars for shipping, <laughs> you also have to give him a kidney yep. or some other you know your left nut. Listen. I, I'll tell you right now, though, if you can find Charles Mann on a podcast, like if he's done an interview, the guy is amazing. Like his well, knowledge I, on film is incredible. He knows dude, so doing much, this for 40 man. years, man. And he's been and he'll tell stories of when he was a kid and his dad and it, like it. It's truly amazing. And that's why I even though his business tactics are slightly shady at times and sometimes right out shady. I still like am super interested in him as a person, and we bust his we bust his balls all the time on here. Um, mm-hmm. But he deserves it, so it's cool. I, I like Charles Band, man. I've li- I like the full. It's just the wizard video thing put a bad taste in my mouth, is all. Yeah, those replicas. That was that was kind of the, the icing I don't on the know cake, though. Why I would I I like that? Yeah, if those that were... really did bug me. <laughs> yeah, that bug me because he was charging like you know fifty bucks for these things and claiming they were reals. I, you know, that's just that's like and he's stuck shady, to dude. it though. He's still they. Still still sell them and stick to them that they're real but but then again my thing is i don't even know why people want them in the first place for that price well even if they were real yeah i mean i don't know (laughs) they're they're nostalgic big box fucking beat i don't know people you get them on like the you know the uh, the third party market or whatever and they're they're way more than that a box yeah Oh no, I know what it is. I'm quite aware of what it is. <laughs> but, you know, it's like that whole nostalgic thing. I, I remember watching a video um by uh by Chris actually. This was, you know, when those things first came out and first got in it. He even said in the video, he's like, you know what? He goes, This is probably a fake, but I couldn't pass it up. I couldn't fucking pass up the big box of zombie because he collects zombie editions, which is cool. Yeah. So when when they put that out, he's like, Well, fuck, he's like, I don't even give a shit if it's fake. It's still a you know, a, a really nice replica of the <laughs> of the zombie big box and i thought that was he was you know he just kind of said it right he just kind of yeah. put it out there he's like you know i it doesn't matter it doesn't really fucking matter i'm a collector so it doesn't matter so mm-hmm. but i thought that was kind of interesting but i was like damn dude that was like 50 bucks <laughs> yeah Crazy. uh so. so then we have uh it the terror beyond space and peter benchley's creature these are coming out through olive uh, I don't know anything about either film, but they're going to be hitting Blu-ray. The, the creature is a uh, TV miniseries. I've learned from Matt. Oh, really? Uh, you and your horror movies. Um, I know he's talked about this in videos before. I've I actually did? never seen it myself. No, I've never seen it myself. Uh, but all I know is that it's it's a miniseries, so it's like three hours long or four hours long or whatever it is. But yeah, it's getting re-released on re-released actually. Yeah, on Blu-ray. But it, it is. Ma- it's making. I thought it was making. It's, it's the uncut version debut. too. What's that? Isn't it making its Blu- Blu-ray debut? Blu-ray debut, yeah. Okay. It's been on. It's been released on DVD, I think, a couple times because there's. I know there's like the TV cut version, and then there's actually like the the two disc, hmm. kind of fully uncut version of the TV version. So, but I've seen, I think two people have posted the cover art on the, on the group page this week, and they're two different ones. One of them was absolutely fucking hilariously bad, <laughs> so fucking bad, and then the other one was pretty good. But I'm curious, man. I don't know. TV film that's like four hours long. Yeah. From the nineties. Yeah. <laughs> all I all I could think of is like the stand right now or the Langoliers or something. Yeah. The nineties had some great T V miniseries though, so I can't I can't judge it yet. 
I think Matt's like he's a fan of it, but then you know he's he's a big fan of his you know really bad creature feature films and stuff, which mm-hmm. I have no problem with. So am I. Well, so. we should watch that one today then. Foreshadowing <laughs> again. He has watched Dark Hall. I already oh. know his opinions on it. All um, right, so that that's it for news, unless you guys have something else that I missed. Um, Jeremy, nope. No, nope. wasn't there a couple of Fright Rag announcements? Oh. We're doing that. All right, Fright Rags going on this week. I don't know when it's coming out. There's no really announcements, but um, they're coming out with two Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 shirts and a Intruder shirt. There's no release dates yet, but stay tuned to Fright Rags to check those out. But three new shirts, and then right now they have – they're probably sold out, but by the time you hear this, it probably definitely is sold out. There was – they printed a um, 35th anniversary Friday the 13th t-shirt for some convention that was last weekend, and um, they had 300 left. So those are up on their website now. So if you want those, you probably should go get them. They still have small, medium, large, and extra larges up there as we speak now. But like I said, there's only 300 of them left. So if you want one, go check it out. It's pretty cool. It's Jason popping out of the water and Mrs. Voorhees in the foreground. It's a pretty cool shirt. Um, I, I was close to ordering it, but I already have enough fucking shirts. I really don't need any more, but yeah, that should do it for Fright Rags. Okay, so also there was a bit uh, of news that Jeremy shared with me, and that's why I initially threw it to him. Uh, oh, you want me to do Sharknado that? 3, oh hell no, is uh, announced. <laughs> the, like the title announced <laughs> is oh hell no. <laughs> Oh hell no! Yeah, yeah. That made me what I love about this I news, man. I, I, I'm so like distant from the news, and when I hear that shit, that's an honest reaction. I didn't even know that. Yeah, um, and it's a two. <laughs> I didn't know it either. That's why I was like, oh, Jeremy so good. Uh, but it's going to be a two-hour TV movie that premieres 8 p.m. Wednesday, July 22nd, smack dab in the summertime. Uh, that's pretty awesome. Not, I don't know. I still <laughs> haven't seen any of them. Two hours. Two hours of Sharknado. Oh hell no! Uh, Tara Reid, David Hasselhoff. Is that should, that should be the tagline right there. You know, two hours. Oh hell no! <laughs> <laughs> that's fucking awesome. Oh, I can't wait for that shit, man. Oh, uh, that just got me so excited. I'm giddy now. Chris Jericho, I think, really? is in this as well, and Mark oh, Cuban. What is he doing in that? What the fuck? Mark Cuban's in that movie? As a kid, he's gonna play the president. Jerry Springer has a cameo. Oh, that's that's totally good. That's a perfect role for Mark Cuban to be playing a president. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is great stuff. Same with Jerry, man. That's awesome. Cool stuff. And it's still uh, got you Chris said it's Kirkpatrick the same cast? from NSYNC is also in this. Jesus Christ, they're just really pulling out the big guns, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so they need that, to recoup after Dark Hall. That is it for the news. <laughs> Alrighty, cool. All right, moving into uh, mood swings here, and the uh, DVD and Blu-ray releases for March twenty-fourth, two thousand fifteen, and finally, finally, after I believe one or two delays, I think two delays, one for sure, two, two yeah. delays, Grindhouse releasing is finally releasing the classic Lucio Fulci, The Beyond, on Blu-ray, three um, disc collector's set, three in a dark. Glow in, and they just released a picture actually of the glow in the dark cover today. And it looked fucking badass, man. Yeah, it looked cool. It looked awesome. I was like, wow, that thing actually works. So <laughs> that's really cool. But I, I know so many people are looking forward to this. Uh, 
this will actually be my third copy on Blu-ray of the. But Beyond. I saw some like reviewers got it like three weeks ago. Really? I'm not Damn. gonna name who, but well, that's oh, actually, that's probably well. They always send out press. Yeah, copies, but it's like really. this was before it was announced that it was going to be delayed. That's mm. fucked. Yeah. Um. But yeah. So the classic uh, Beyond coming out from Grindhouse definitely be definitely everybody needs to go out and buy two copies. I don't know why you need to buy two copies, but. You know, support Grindhouse are doing good things. Can't do it's not an Oscar film. Copies, just saying. I want one copy. (laughs) (laughs) Well, of course. Um, Next up from Arrow Video, I believe this is their second release, Arrow America, I should say, and it is Blind Woman's Curse. Um, This is a film I actually don't really know anything about. I don't even know if it's actually a horror film, um, to be honest. But it's Arrow Video. If you're a fan, support. This one's only twenty five, twenty nine. Oh, such a great deal. What a bargain. Yeah, the Arrow videos, when the pre-orders first came out, they were like, you know, anywhere from 27 to like 35 or 40 bucks. It was ridiculous. I was like, holy fuck, man. It, it would have been cheaper to import the Region 2 versions from the UK for fuck's sakes, man. Yeah. I mean, they'll uh, drop, dude. They're, they're, they, as soon as people stop, don't buy them, they'll drop. Yeah. Just like the, the UK ones. They definitely will be dropping. Um, next up here is a film called Cell Count. I don't really know anything about this one. I got to say the cover art's actually pretty damn cool. Released by Parade Deck Films, and this one is going for under ten bucks on Blu-ray. That is crazy. On Amazon.com, you don't see too many new releases for under ten bucks on Blu-ray. Is this a new film? I believe not. <laughs> I don't think so. Um, I like I said, I don't know cool. anything. I, yeah, I really don't know anything about it, but I'm assuming it, it takes place in a jail and it's kind of badass gang shit. I don't know. Judging by the uh, Pippa Shaw machine gun, it looks maybe Russia. <laughs> Even better. Yeah. You know, that's just going to be bad shit crazy then. All right. So moving along, we've got uh, another Blu-ray release here from – actually, this is from Image. Image is releasing this. Um and I was actually just thinking about this yesterday, which is strange, that Image doesn't release a lot of Blu-rays, do they? Mm. It's really strange. They don't release yeah. a lot of Blu-rays. So obviously they release everything on DVD because, you know, mm. um, and that is Digging Up the Marrow, uh, the yeah. new Adam Green film, which is being released on Image, like I said, which uh, I'm, that's really cool, man, because I think the only Image Blu-ray I actually have in my entire collection is Reanimator. Well, I know so that Image strange. I think Image has released a few of Adam Green's films on Blu-ray. Um, I think uh, the last Hatchet was Image. Yeah, no Dark Sky. Oh, Dark Sky. Oh, maybe I'm maybe I'm tripping. Interesting. Yeah, I'm just saying. Like, I really don't have any Image Blu-rays. It's very odd. But Frozen was Anchor Bay. Hatchet was Dark Sky. Yeah. I'd... And this one's actually, if if you guys have not pre-ordered this, or if you're willing, or if you're willing, if you're willing to buy this, uh, if you're wanting to buy this film on Amazon.com, it's actually going for twelve ninety nine right now, which is a really really good price for a brand new mm-hmm. Blu-ray. But I would yeah, recommend buying it on Adam Green's website for more. But it goes directly; the money goes directly to him, and it's and they're signed. signed. Yeah, yeah. They're signed, so yeah. that's always a way to help the filmmaker if you want to. But if you don't, I mean, still buying it helps the filmmaker. I seen the exhausted pictures of Adam Green signing. <laughs> it's like stacks of fucking covers Maros. in front of him. Oh my god! I was like, "That's brutal. fucking twenty-two shots, assholes!" <laughs> Making me yeah. sign all these copies. 
Uh, next up here Fuck is Mexican um, and that Jew and that big beard asshole. <laughs> the big bearded Austrian. <laughs> um, yeah. So we've got uh, this is actually a pretty interesting pack. I know this was announced a while ago, finally coming out. But uh, the Andy Milligan Grindhouse Experience Triple Pack, which features the Ghastly Ones, uh, Grew the Mad Monk, and the Body Beneath. Um, I know the ghastly ones because it was a uh, it was a video nasty, which it probably should have never been a video nasty. I actually reviewed it one time. Uh, pretty cool um, set though. I oh, all the films are on one disc, so yep. that kind of puts a little damper in things. But um, if you, it, I don't know if you like Andy Milligan, he's actually not really the greatest uh, you know filmmaker, but he makes some pretty entertaining, low budget, shitty films from like the '60s and '70s and stuff. So if you're into that, check it out. Pretty cheap, so. Uh, next up, we got a film called Of Course. Of Course This Has to Come Out because... It's a ghostly. Whatever. Like, I mean, they had to go this way. Ebola Zombies. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm pretty <laughs> sure that's not Ebola the only Ebola before. zombie film. Yeah. It probably isn't. And, of course, Wild Eye Releasings is putting this out. They are just dropping so much shit lately, man. Like, they're, they're putting on a lot of films. And, actually, there's a couple more releases coming up that have you know from this week by wild eye but that's ebola zombies if you're interested not now this is this next title is an interesting one because this was originally supposed to be released by screen factory on oh, blu-ray okay. and they unfortunately couldn't get the a good negative or you know apparently all the prints that they kept finding were shitty and they couldn't put together the whole film or there was a you know a bunch of shit they probably should have never announced it before they had those we all we've had this conversation a million times but uh fortunately or unfortunately, I don't know how, depends on how you want to look at this. Cheesy Flicks is putting out Hellhole. And wow, the price on Amazon.com is fourteen ninety five for this. That's insanity. Is that a lot or a little? Dude, $14.95 for they release a Cheesy Flicks? The Legend of Boggy Creek. Uh, yeah, they've released that yeah. one. Yeah, yeah, that transfer was terrible. So but all the transfers of that movie are shitty. There's no good transfers. And actually, okay. the Cheesy Flicks one is actually the best transfer of that film. If you but, look on reviews, everyone says the Cheesy Flicks one is the best. Uh, so just go. Did somebody tell me that they're like normally pretty bad transfers, Cheesy Flicks? Yeah. Well, they use a lot of VHS transfers and stuff, but I mean, there is like no good Masters of Legend Body Creek. From what I've heard, I, every review I've ever seen is like they all kind of look the same. So okay. just kind of shitty. But, you know, who knows? I mean, if you're willing to, you know, fork out the cash or whatever, if you really want to see Hellhole, um, it is getting. Uh, release so that's actually kind of interesting mm-hmm. i think i, I want to check it out because that's one film that i was not for super 15 disappointed. bucks though no I, I don't think i'll be paying 15 bucks for that either that's i guess that answers my question uh another release here from wild eye releasing like i said uh called memory lane another film i don't really know anything about but it is wild eye and lately for me they've been a little hit and miss you know wild eye first uh, started releasing stuff they were releasing some really cool stuff but really far apart and now they're just dropping shit left and right. <laughs> so, well, I don't know. Uh, Horror Talk says it's a remarkable piece of cinema and gives it five stars. <laughs> I, I saw that too, and I was like, Horror Talk? Means so much. Who's that? Who's that? <laughs> 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 All right, so next up here is a, uh, I believe this is actually another, no, this is from Whacked Movies, and it's called Revolution 666. Oh, next. Oh, yeah. He is the tagline on this one <laughs> is he is the walrus and it's a dude in a walrus mask holding a fucking knife. Yeah, but the tusks look like they are knives and they're not. Yeah. So that's actually that's kind of cool. That's stupid. Yes. <laughs> no way. man. That's, that's fucking gnarly. 
See, I want I want to shape my I want, I'm gonna shave in my handlebar mustache and shape it like knives. <laughs> yeah, um, I, awesome. like if he runs around killing people with his face, <laughs> that that <laughs> might be funny. <laughs> Like if he's just, just headbutts everybody, his head but he has, like, he has to rumble his chin up because his fucking knives are on his chin, so it's like run like this and just go. Oh. That would make for the most awkward killings ever, though. <laughs> okay, next up here is uh, a film called The Shattering, and it is released by Leo Mark Studios. Uh, I don't know; it's like a werewolf film, I guess. Um, it says survival means you're next. I don't know. I'm skipping that one. Man, it's going for seven nineteen on Amazon. That's pretty damn cheap. And then uh, we've got another one here from Unearth Films, which has been man, they've been pretty busy lately too, yeah. dropping a lot of films, which is pretty cool because they drop some pretty interesting things. And this one's called uh, Versaril. Um, well, it's Unearth. I don't really know what to expect from this one, but it says between the ropes and madness of madness. Is that? Yeah, that's the tagline. Visceral so. between the ropes of madness. So um, it kind of looks like it almost looks like an S and M thing on the on the on the cover. I don't know. It's unearthed, man. You never know what you're going to get with those it's, guys. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. They it's released a pretty twenty one ninety five pre order. They're always expensive, though. Yeah, unearthed is always overpriced, man. It's ridiculous. Uh, next up here from I think this is like an independent film. Uh, you can get it on Amazon.com, and it's called The Sins of Dracula. Uh, I kind of like the, the, the cover's not the greatest, but I, I like what they did with the crosses and the and the bite marks in the neck. Kind of looks cool. They made some upside down crosses with some blood. I don't know. It's ten bucks. Ten bucks. Got some cheap ass DVDs here this ten week. Ten bucks, but you won't pay fifteen for Hellhole, but you'll pay ten bucks for that. Oh, I'm not going to pay ten bucks for that. Oh, I'm just right. saying. I'm just saying it's ten bucks. Uh, next up here, I, I think this is from Wild Eye. Wild Eye releasing is releasing a film called Frankenstein's Hungry Dead. <laughs> <laughs> the cover is fucking so funny. Dude. It's like <laughs> this a one's Frankenstein actually, zombie. Yeah, Frankenstein zombie man, and it's actually under ten. It's nine ninety nine too, so that's actually pretty interesting for Wild Eye. I don't know. That one looks pretty shitty, but uh, next up we got a film called Blackwoods. This is an Uwe Bull film, and I believe Olive is releasing this one. Yeah, yeah I think I have it, this. and Jeremy has it, but he doesn't have it. I still have it, but it's his. But it I makes have. sense. It makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully, I'll these, see it by the end of these 2017. Because these fucking dickheads get screeners, and I don't. Because <laughs> dude, I haven't I got. The, I've got. A I live one in the foreign screener. land of Canada, and they don't ship up to Canada. Got a one screener from JP. It was um, a hell of a screener, though. That was a good one, yeah. So, yeah. So, Blackwoods. I don't know. It's UA Bowl, so you never know what you're going to get. It's probably shitty, but who knows? I'm just assuming. Can't judge a book by its cover, can you? <laughs> uh, this one right here made me laugh, though. I, <laughs> so, it's from Push Worldwide, and it's called Mutant Vampires Mutant Vampire Zombies from the Hood. <laughs> yep. E. Thomas Howell in it, man. I'm, I'm going to have... I'm going to have to grab it because it's a hood film and um, you know, collecting those. <laughs> so, uh, you have, JP? Um, I think I have most of them. But I think I have almost all of the ones that he I He actually has a couple of. I don't have. Yeah, like so. uh, Hood Rat, which was like Willard in the Hood. It's literally Willard in the Hood. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I reviewed that film on <laughs> Rat Of <Week>. course, <laughs> one that I don't have is Tales from the Hood. Somebody released a Blu-ray of it, goddammit. The best one. The yeah, best one. The yeah, Pretty much the only one that's worth watching. Actually, Gangs of the Dead I don't have. I, think I that's have that one. one. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, it's uh, I have the VHS and tells from the hood, so that's been lasting me my entire childhood until now. Um, so mutant vampires from the hood from the writer of the Sharknado trilogy. Wonder yeah, if he, I, I wonder if I, he wrote Sharknado three. Oh hell no! Oh yeah, because it's of the Sharknado trilogy. <laughs> trilogy means okay. three. Jamie. So when I when I was looking that's at these JP. when I was looking at these releases earlier, like pre-show. I was looking at I, – I clicked on this one and I saw the, the thing on the bottom. It says, from the writer of the Sharknado trilogy. And I started laughing so hard. And I'm like, there isn't even a fucking third one. <laughs> I said to myself, I started laughing. And when you announced that, that's why I started laughing so hard. I was like, oh, now this tagline makes sense. I'm <laughs> <laughs> like, what the fuck? But, man, I don't know. This movie's got to be badass. <laughs> totally, right? Yeah. Uh, and then well, I think that is it. That is actually it for the releases. So a little bit this week. Um, I don't know if anyone's interested in any of those. Probably the, except for the Beyond. The best contemporary there is Digging Up the Marrow. And then probably the release of the week for you know non-contemporary is definitely the Beyond. Definitely the Beyond. Um, but yeah, Wild Eye being really busy. Um, I am curious about Hellhole. I really don't want to pay those prices. I, I wonder what the price is on Cheesy Flicks, though, if they're selling it on their website. Because they're usually really cheap on the website. So, mm, But yeah. uh, that sell count, though, that does look pretty intriguing, I have to say. so. But Yeah, so that's going to do it for the DVD and Blu-ray releases for March 24th, 2015. Yeah. All right. So moving along, uh, I believe that we actually have a bunch of voicemails slash questions this week. Don't we, JP? Yeah, so first up, we'll uh, hop into one of five voicemails. Hey guys, Derek here. I was wondering if you guys ever thought of doing a few Hammer or Amicus titles for future reviews. was wondering your thoughts on those companies. They all made great films, in my opinion. Also, if you guys were stuck on an Desert Island, and the only video store carried only the worst films you've ever seen. Which one would you choose to watch? Hope to hear back from you guys, and be wicked pisser. And also, you don't have to go to Texas to have a chainsaw massacre. <laughs> that is true. You don't. Um, of course, the tagline from my big pieces, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, good stuff. Uh, good stuff. So first, James on Master, right? Right. <laughs> never gets old, man. So good. So the first thing that he asked was, "What do you guys feel like about doing some Hammer or Amicus films for featured well, reviews?" For the lack of a better joke, I've been trying to put the hammer down on these young boys. Uh, yeah, I've, we've talked about it. Um, I don't know why we've it never fully materialized in doing Hammer and Amicus stuff. I'm a really, really fucking big fan of Amicus. I love Amicus films. You know um, what? I think I'm missing one or two out of every one they've ever released. I'm such a huge fan of their film. They did a lot of really awesome anthology films, which I all know that you guys like too. So we should really cover those. But as for Hammer, fuck, man. There's a, like endless <laughs> we could do, really. Well, but yeah, I, I, I would like I would push for it for sure. Well, we have most of the rest of this season scheduled already, but next season we could definitely throw in a um, Amicus or Hammer show and maybe pick like three films and and you know review those for featured reviews. I'd be down with that. You know, I just I watched that- uh, Dracula's Risen from the Grave, which I believe was Hammer, and you know I was into it, so th- I want to check out more. 
Yeah, I think that uh, Doctor Terror's House of Horror. Yeah, actually, you know what? Film. We will do it. How about that? It's not even maybe. We will. No, I, do I it. was just gonna say that. I'm like, what do you mean? We <laughs> might. Yeah. I mean, after the show, we will mark it into a date. Like we are, we pre-plan actually pretty. Um, we're kind of. I don't know what the word is for it, but it's pretty I'm funny. I'm excited for the summer, man. Yeah, we got some so. great shows planned coming up, especially the show next week is a pretty good one as well. Next yeah, week and like then we... the last and the show in August. It's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of good ones, and I'm looking forward to next season because, like, there's endless possibilities. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking we might have to put the Kai Bosch on doing these contemporary Screen Factory films that they keep turning out like this. Yeah. <laughs> but anyways, for featured reviews. But that, uh, that I see a Hall of Pain coming. Time. Hall of Pain. We'll save that conversation for a different time. But, yeah, honestly, Derek, I think that Hammer and Amicus is, is a must, and we will actually mark it in the calendar. Maybe not, you know, the specific date, but we will mark it down, and we'll definitely do that. Yeah. Um, you know, there's there's lots of things that we just, you know, we want to do, but we only do a show a week. So it's, you know, might have to wait a little bit, but it'll it'll be coming. So, yeah. So that just goes to show you guys you want it and we provide. So <laughs> we just have to call in. Yeah, exactly. So see how easy that was. Yep. And the second question, obviously, was if you was on the desert island and there was one video store, but they only carried the worst movies that you've seen. What would you rent? Now, I love this idea that there's actually a movie store on a desert island. Yeah. A deserted island. That, mm-hmm. I fucking love that. That's so cool. But do they have two movies for a buck fifty each? The question. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's like an old Chances are it's a family are video. <laughs> I hope it's a family video. That'd be dope. It's a family video, but it's old school, and they haven't got to that stage where they're selling their shit off for cheap yet. Oh. So, yeah, it's just not good. Um, I don't know who wants to go first on this one. Well, I know for damn sure I'm not renting beneath the Mississippi. That's that's <laughs> for sure. I mean, honestly, like the maybe I honestly don't know because it's like it's like God, that's a tough question. If I if I pick something like Troll or Troll Two, like yeah, th- those could be enjoyable to watch over and over again, even though they're bad. But out of the ones that are like the worst, where I would never want to watch over again ever, I, it's like. It's like how do you? It's like okay, which poisonous drink do you want to drink? And you know, shit all night. <laughs> you know, like I don't know. They're all pretty much shitty to me. So I'll just flip a coin, I guess. I can't see any redeemable value in any of the ones that I've given like two. Maybe like Warlock three. Fuck it, Warlock three. Hmm. Warlock three, yeah. Yeah. I was trying to think of some of the ones that we've really rated shitty, and Entity comes to yeah, mind. Yeah, like, are you no, going to pick Entity? No, you, no, hell no, no. I don't, I don't think I could ever I bring myself to even, even think about watching that movie again. That movie is such a raging piece of shit. I think that's the only movie you gave a one. Oh, it's fucking <laughs> bad. Like, it's just an abomination for a film. Well, Ugh. what about The Woman? You gave that a four. Well, yeah, I really don't care for the woman that much at all. But, you know, like I said, though, the woman's not a bad film. I j- it just I didn't care for it. You know, there's a difference between a bad film and not liking a film. Right. Yeah. Um, so but it's uh, not yeah, I mean, like Jeremy, Jeremy gives The Exorcist a six you and know? a half, six and a half, <laughs> six and a half. So, <laughs> you know, which we still always kind of laugh about. But whatever. That's his own opinion. You know, that's just what it is to him. So, um I don't know, man. This is a fucking hard question, man. I, I think basically, uh, without being too specific with titles, but like if they had anything from, you know, like the 50s, you know, sci-fi horror 
you know, monster flicks and stuff. Because a lot of those movies are so fucking bad, but they're like insanely enjoyable to watch. Um, yeah. I don't know. I, I, anything like that. Uh, moods. Yeah, it has to be one of the worst you've ever seen, though. And if that's that's why it's so hard. That's why I want Warlock <laughs> Three because it is one of the worst films that I've seen. Or like a witch, witch, the ones that Charlie Band did. Damn it, those ones. Those are pretty bad. Oh, Demo- uh, Killjoy. That's another one. That's one of the worst films I've ever seen. But I could yeah, probably Kill- watch it a couple times. Killjoy is a raging piece of shit, though. It really is. That's got to be. We've talked about this before, but that has to be one of the weirdest franchises. Yeah, they, just, they like, get better with everyone. <laughs> yeah, it's so strange. <laughs> um, I don't know, man. I, let me let me think on this, Jeremy. You go, Jeremy. Uh, quit doing whatever you're doing, too. That's moods, you fucking asshole. I'm not doing anything. I'm not doing anything either. Okay, we'll answer the question. I swear on my Oscar-loving life, I was not doing anything. Um. <laughs> Well, I definitely would not be renting Wonderland, that's for sure. And definitely wouldn't be renting Porkchop 2 or Clown Hunt or mm, or Bloody Homecoming. Mm, I'm going to have to go with Leprechaun 4. Mm, that that's that's a cop out cuz that movie that we yeah, w- that's not the one of the worst films you've ever seen, is it? No, but it's pretty fucking bad. Yeah, it's bad, but I would love to have Leprechaun 4. As okay, a movie wait. That I can okay. Watch. All right, all right. Let me think now. Hmm. Bad movies that I would want to watch. But you picked Warlock 3. <laughs> Warlock 3. <laughs> it is. It's, it's, it's a, still cracks me up. Uh, Halloween Resurrection wouldn't be too bad. Okay. So yours is Halloween Resurrection. Yeah, I'll go with Halloween interesting, Resurrection. Interesting question because it, it really is hard because hey, it's not an a answer. it's not a bad movie that you want to that you would pick. It's one of the worst that you've seen that you have to pick. So it's like what's less the worst? <laughs> what's like not quite as the worst as everything else? <laughs> um, yeah, Ugh. pick one, moods. Um. I don't know, man. One of the first things that comes to my mind actually is Ginger Dead Man Three. <laughs> that movie sucks so bad. Is that but Passion of the Crust or Night of the Cleaver or whatever. Saturday Night, Night Cleaver. Cleaver. Saturday Night. For some fucking reason, man. They, uh, man, that movie's fucking terrible. But it's actually kind of funny to watch, though. So if that was sitting on the shelf, I would probably have to go with that piece of shit. I don't know why I even thought of that, but yeah. well. It's kind of like Killjoy, I guess. It's a really, yeah, I guess so. Maybe that's what triggered it. But yeah, that's a really bad film. Mm -hmm. Uh, But uh, yeah, I mean, you know, the Ginger Dead Man versus Evil Bong film, that movie just sucked. God. You know, I got really no enjoyment out of it. But, you know, Saturday Night Cleaver, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I I would definitely pop that in for sure. Fun stuff, so. Okay, so the second voicemail here. Hey, guys. Joey, um, I'm a first-time caller. I just want to say, love the show. Watch it every week. And my question for you guys is, I was wondering what your favorite poster artwork is. Um, me, personally, I really like the house poster. Um, the Killer Towns from Outer Space poster. And the Burning. So, we'd love to hear what you guys think. And... Thank you, Joey. Welcome to the show. Thanks for calling. That's First really time awesome. caller. I like yep. to hear that. I so, do too. 
Take note, people. First time caller, he wasn't afraid. Yeah, he was yeah. not. So, Moods, what's your favorite artwork? Um, well, mine's actually kind of a tie. You know, we were, we were kind of discussing this earlier, but mine's, you know, theoretically a tie between uh, the video Dead and uh, Fright Night, the original Fright Night artwork. I, you know, it's probably a lot to do with nostalgic thing too. Like, you know, seeing that standee. I always, I've it's told this really story a million times. Artwork. I remember seeing the standee in the video store when it came out when I was a kid. And it just, I remember walking in and seeing this fucking thing that was like, you know, fucking twice the size of me at the time. And just being like, holy shit, man, that's fucking awesome. And it just burnt in my mind. But I love that cover art too. And I know JP was like completely astonished that I said the video dead, but it has like everything I love, you know, TV, you know, awesome looking zombies, but the color scheme is amazing. I love the, I love the art on that. It's pretty cool shit. So those are my choices. You know, it's kind of a tie. So I'm, again, I'm always cheating. I'm always cheating. Yeah. Right. I guess that's what us Canadians do. We cheat, but um, <laughs> that's what I'm going with. So what about you guys? Well, me, I, you know, I don't think I have like a bona fide favorite artwork where I'm like, yep, that's my favorite. Um, but I, I do really like the pumpkin head artwork, the original artwork where like it's pumpkin heads like hand on like with the finger in the girl's face and stuff. Uh, I don't know. Something about that one always just kind of uh, intrigued me. And uh, probably my favorite next to that um, might be my actual favorite. And that's the TCM2 artwork. Because when I was a kid, I didn't realize it was spoofing The Breakfast Club. I, but it was still scary to me. So once I found out that it was a joke, I'm like, oh, <laughs> that's funny. But I, I just love that artwork. It's great. <laughs> nice. Nice. Boo. I'm saying boo on your choices, though. You don't like Pumpkinhead? I'm just joking, man. I'm just busting your balls because you're busting my balls. When I Do you said, like that artwork, though? I, I told him he's like, I like the video dead, and he's like, what? He's like, what? Uh, Maniac. Like, That's my a great taste? artwork. Maniac's Maniac is actually like my number, number two. So. That can't be because it's mine. <clears throat> so, uh, Jeremy, what's yours? Uh, I think I brought this up. We talked about this before. Um, dead Alive is one of my favorite ones. Uh, it's simple, but it's a really interesting and good one it's fun and uh, I, I always remember the skeleton in the girl's mouth that's always been inscribed in my mind like you guys been talking about mm-hmm. and the cover art to dolls is pretty fucking good also it's another one that i remember from the vhs days I, i've always liked uh children of the corn the first one i've always liked that artwork for some reason is anybody got anybody else got any more that are awesome I like the hobo with the shotgun cover. Oh, man, there's tons of great ones, man. I mean, fucking everything from the 80s was just outstanding. Well, not everything from the 80s, but, mm-hmm. you know, so many fucking good ones. Worst cover art. Oh, fuck. Anything from the 90s. Yeah. Anything generic with that fuck, that fucking scream. Or the gas mask. Influenced, influenced uh, covers, man. Like the, yeah, It's the floating heads. Uh, usually like one like interlayered or like in a pattern of some sort like a slash downward and then it has their names like that's it that's the cover art of the 90s so awful we've talked about it before but it really just annoys me (laughs) yeah those are the fucking oh they're awful so bad i don't know so uh, i guess we'll move on to the next voicemail Tired, but I thought I'd call in and switch you guys 
top five favorite human serial killers in films are? Um, I don't know, this one's a tough one because you can kind of, there's really an endless supply, but for me, my top five, Patrick Bateman, Anton Sugar, Uh, <laughs> Norman Bates. You can do it. Actually, trying to think on the spot. <laughs> Number four. <laughs> Number two, sorry. Number two would have to be. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> Jigsaw. <laughs> if he would have said Leatherface, that would have uh, been so perfect. I think he said Hannibal Lecter for the last one. Probably my favorite movie of all time. If not, definitely my top five. Alright, that's it. Um, hope you guys have a good week. I'll talk to you next week. There's a follow-up voicemail, so just hold up a sec. Oh, hey guys. Just wanted to throw in one more honorable mention. Um, the Collector. Um, definitely two of my favorite films. I wish they would continue that. I was going to put um, Chrome Skull also on the list, but I don't know if he's human or not. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. All right. It's a pretty good question, Later. actually. Uh, yeah, so Brandon actually did leave a post on Facebook that said he was really tired when he called that and really didn't think it through. So, uh, you know... Obviously, we we found it pretty funny. But, I'm just you know, gonna take it's it in that good was, spirit. We're not like making fun of him or anything. I'm just gonna take it that he was really. No, he's saying that he was tired. He was really high. Yeah, it sounded like he was really high, right? Like, <laughs> he was really fucking blazed. He's, he's like, like he's like number four. four. I mean, number two, man. He's high on Oscar love. <laughs> yeah. So um, uh, we always appreciate the call from Brandon. You know, he he is a regular caller, so we'll take your voicemail if it's. Uh, you know, bad like that or good like the other ones you've left. But uh, it was definitely funny and gave us a laugh. Yeah. So uh, what's uh, some of the uh, picks? I, I mean, honestly, my favorite's absolutely Psycho, the killer in Psycho. Norman Bates is actually yeah, Norman Bates is great. <clears throat> is I said Psycho, favorite. so you didn't spoil the movie. Oh, come on. <laughs> you fucking, is that a joke? <laughs> Spoiling what? Psycho. <laughs> 50 fucking 60s years old, man. Ah, <laughs> oh, shit. Um, but with the resurgence of uh, Bates Motel, a lot of people still don't know. I'm serious. I've been talking to a lot of people at work and stuff. That's fucked. Um, serial killers in films. Yeah. I mean, Norman Bates. Um, well, he said another one of my favorite ones, which is Patrick Bateman. Uh, I've talked about how much I, I, I've talked about my love for American Psycho. I love that film so much. Uh, I don't know, man. I, I guess like you can lump in, you know, obviously serial killers with slasher flicks, right? I mean, as long as they're human. Yeah. Um, I would have to go with Frank Zito then, you know, he, he takes out some people. I mean, man, I mean. There's just no doubt in my mind Frank Zito would be part of that. Um, I don't know, man. There's like a million. You know, this is kind of just off the top of the head. But what, what about you guys? Those are the first three that come to my mind that would, or three of my favorites. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, definitely, definitely, um, Hannibal Lecter is a decent one. Um, he's, you know, obviously very popular and stuff, but I, I would definitely go with Norman as my number one for sure. But, uh, you know, Maniac, uh, Frank Zito definitely is up there. Uh, not really sure. If, you know Mark Lewis from Peeping Tom. That's a, probably a good one. I've never seen the film. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I actually don't really care for American Psycho that much. Um, Uh-oh. Let's get ready to rumble. Ding, ding. I just, I, I actually just tuned that complete phrase out. Well, you know I don't really care for it that much. I just have no idea how someone couldn't like that movie. It just, it actually blows my fucking mind. It has some of the most tantalizing dialogue in it. It just... Every, just the way that whole movie is executed is so perfect, man. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. Like the di- the dialogue alone, like you don't even need anything else. It's just like, oh, it's so good, man. It's good. Yeah, uh, I don't really want to get into a discussion about that. We should actually get into a discussion about that one time. He goes you know, from I don't want to get into a discussion about it to we should get into a discussion about it. Well, no, because I thought second. about that for a brief moment and I was yeah. like, wait a minute, this might be a really good discussion. <laughs> yeah. Um. Honestly, I know that it's good. Like, I know that the reasons why it's good. So our, my argument against the film would actually probably be not – it would be actually for the film probably. I just – it doesn't – I don't connect with it. I see why it's good and why people like it, but I just have never connected with it. So, um, it's more, it's more, that one's more personal. My rating would stop probably still be pretty high, but it's just not a film that I'll ever really revisit unless we're covering it. Um, but yeah, that would be an interesting one to talk about though. Uh, but my final, um, you know, human serial killers would probably be the firefly family or <laughs> i was you know, thinking otis. the same thing right after i was thinking the exact same thing the firefly family yeah. family mm-hmm. family otis yeah. is yeah. pretty fucking badass otis yeah. is fucking major badass yeah so uh jeremy did you have any more to add uh norman bates for sure mark from peeping tom otis is pretty badass that's a good choice mm. oh, that's about it Okay, so uh, on to the final voicemail, which is from Matt. Hey guys, this is Matt here. Got other questions for you for the show. Um, you know, the nice good anthology films. Uh, they just put up the last one viral. I know how you guys all feel about it. But <laughs> after watching it and people's posts on the Facebook page, I had a question what you guys thought. If you could make your own perfect VHS movie, by taking certain clips or certain little maybe the mini uh, movies from parts one, two, and three and making your own VHS movie with five shorts. Which five shorts would they be from which VHS movies? All right, guys. Thanks. Have a good one. Later. Okay, so Matt wants to say, wants to know if we could, uh, Make one VHS movie out of the three, what would we include? I guess I'll go first. I would definitely go with um, the original segment uh, in the first film with the succubus. Yeah, um, that's pretty good. That's for sure the, the, the prime the- piece of the, the film. And then uh, I would pick the cult yeah, me too. segment from the second film. Uh, I would probably go with the alien segment. Uh, from the second film, 
we have the same exact thing. It's yeah, and the uh, the Ty West segment I would actually keep, and the uh, what happened to whoever I, when she was young segment with the I like the eyeball film. I was gonna go with the first, sure the sucky bit short from the first film, the cold film, the cold the cult short from the second film, uh, Jason Eisner's Alien short from the third film. From the second film, sorry, nothing's from the third film. Um, then I picked the eye short, the first short, and from the first, from the second film. Oh my god, I can't talk. <laughs> You're and a mess. Then, <clears throat> I don't know. So the succubus one was that amateur night? Was yeah. that the name of the short in that one? Yeah, I don't really remember any of I the other so. ones in the first. I think that's one. what it was called. Yeah. Yeah. What was the third one in the first one besides Ty West and the succubus? Um, I picked the uh, short where it's about the Skype call with. Oh uh, yeah, that one's pretty good. Twist ending. That I, I really like that one. Yeah, that one's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got to go with the uh, Amateur Night. Um, the uh, the ones from VHS two, of course, being the um, uh, the <laughs> what the fuck is that one called, man? The the cult one. It's just remember. we'll just call it the cult one. The cult one, and then the alien one, of course, which is fucking. Those ones back to back are just phenomenal. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely love those, man. The succubus one's amazing. Um, yeah, pretty much the exact same ones. I think those are really the standard. Pretty much exactly the same as JP, but you know, I, I'll definitely wouldn't keep Ty West around. Um, I think just having three or four is probably good enough. You know, to make up the perfect uh, Ty West VHS was viral. Really good. I don't know what the hell you was watching. VHS is not viral, but <laughs> I would not mean? put any from viral in my in my. No, no, no. I'll take the two best ones from VHS too, in my opinion. And uh, yeah, I think the what is the fuck viral man? I can't remember any of the fucking titles of these men, but yeah, I don't know. Man, viral, I know, right? <laughs> the like Saturday the twenty fifth or whatever, whatever that one was. That that one's the worst out of uh, the first two films. So. I could pretty much take anything besides that and the zombie one from the second film. I, I don't like this. And mix and match between the shorts. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I pretty much agree. So, cool. Yeah, so that's all the voicemails, but we did have one other thing. Um, a guy, uh, Corey, uh, left us an email that said, "Hey guys, I've been catching up on all the past podcasts." Best horror podcast, in my opinion, makes my day go by at work a lot faster. But anyways, what's the voicemail number? Jeremy? Well, why do you put me in the spot? You better remember the voicemail. That's why do I have to job. remember the voicemail? That I have is enough- your job. You remember the voicemail. I know and the last four anytime I should be able I know it's to six, be six, like... Six, six, five. I should be able seven, to two, be four, like... 6665 Okay. Triple six five. Once again, seven two four four two six 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 five. Okay. It's also <clears throat> everywhere else you could find it. It's in the description, it's on the website, it's it's everywhere. So Yeah, in my videos I leave all the links in there too, so the number should be in there. Yeah, but I'm glad that you enjoy our podcast and I'm glad that you listen to it at work. You know, because why not? You're at work. There's nothing else to do. So, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> and Moods, you got a coroner's report, I assume. 
Yes. Uh, <clears throat> moving along to the uh, corners report of weird stats and morbid facts, courtesy of, of course, Rue Morgue magazine. Today's morbid fact is coming from the issue 113 of July, July 2011. Uh, this is the one with the troll cover or troll hunter on the cover. Yes, really good film. Um, I don't even remember if this was in the documentary, but it probably was. So most people probably already know this one. But I, I literally just like looked at this uh, list and picked out this one instantly. So I'm sure Jer- or, uh, JP already knows this fact. But for the people out there that don't, it's kind of cool. Uh, Wes Craven chose the colors of Freddy Krueger's Kruger's sweater, red and green, after reading mm-hmm. that these two hues are the hardest for the human eye to register when placed beside each other. I, I can't remember that. They, they probably talk about that in the, in the documentary, do. but I th- I think it's a really interesting fact though, man, because mm-hmm. that's really fucking cool, man. Yeah, because it makes sense, right? It's like you know, it's hard to see and it's Freddy and I don't know. I think it's fucking yeah, it's awesome. sort of like blue and orange. Those those colors kind of offset like that sometimes, I believe. But I like that that he you know he took the time to figure something like that out. Well, but he, you know that's what I love about early Craven. Is you see a lot of that in his films where he'll read something and then he incorporates it into his film. He's not necessarily looking for it. He well, just the whole storyline to Nightmare on Elm Street it was taken from a story that he read. Yeah, and you know, uh, not only that, but I mean, I believe some of the inspiration from the people under the stairs came from reading about these people that were abducting children and stuff. I mean, he did that a lot, you know. Yeah, and, just um, and there's plenty things, yeah. of other examples, and even. Today, that still happens. Adam Green came up with the idea for Frozen after seeing something similar on the news one day. Like, yeah. that's that seems to be where, um, you know, it's what, like, uh, life imitating art, imitating life, you know, the the cycle. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that's great. I, I, I love that about Early Craven, though, and I feel like that he's gotten away from that in, like, all of his last films. <clears throat> well, he's also really old now, too, so he, he has that smell. You know, <laughs> yeah. Smell like piss. I don't know what that has to do with like, you know, not reading things anymore. But <clears throat> whatever, it doesn't matter. <laughs> but yeah, so that's the coroner's report, and that's going to conclude mood swings. Alrighty, so moving along into uh, the www portion of the show, which is what we watched this week. And who wants to start us off, Jeremy? Fucking asshole, man! <laughs> Every week. Jeremy, you're number one. You're okay. number one. Yeah, you're number uh, one in my heart. What am I going to talk about first? Okay, <laughs> let's talk about a French film from the year 1929 titled in Un Chin Andalou, which is a pretty um, uh, influential horror film with well, sort of horror slash fantasy. It has horror elements in it for sure. It's directed by Salvador Dali. Well, it's co-directed one of the directors, Salvador Dali. So if you know anything about Salvador Dali and his artwork, then you know the weird surrealist type of imagery you're going to get with his type of work. It's interesting. I never knew that he directed any films or co-directed. Yeah, yeah. So this film is highly influential because it is known for having the scene with um, – a guy holding open a woman's eye and slashing it with a razor blade. Oh, I've seen this film. Yeah. Oh, you have? Yeah, because I, I remembered hearing about that scene and they're like, it looks 
like it actually was just the eyeball slit open with a razor blade and not some kind of effect. So I went and watched it for that reason well, do you years know what, ago. Do you know what it is, though, right? Do you know what the actual trick is? No. What is well, it? Okay, if you actually look at the film, if you watch the scene and you look at the film, you could actually see that it's actually um, a cow, and they uh. did a really fast, uh, really fast cut of the um, from the girl. And if you pause it, you could see like the hair of the cow and stuff like that, and you could obviously see it's a cow. But if you're watching it at normal speed, you really can't notice that it's a cow. But uh, yeah, but it's an actual ah, cow getting slashed, but it's fuck? just a cow instead of the you know. Oh it's actually quite God. interesting because I don't think I mentioned this last week when I was talking about Thriller, or Cruel Picture. Uh, there's a scene in, in the film where the main character gets her eye gashed out with a, with a razor blade. Now, it has been rumored, you know, for years and years that they actually used a real, um, a real corpse in that scene. And, and it's obviously the shot is really close up and you can tell it's not fake. Mm-hmm. Like it's really fucking it's really close up. But uh, apparently they used like a real corpse and they just they took an exact or not an exacto knife, like a surgical knife and just like slit down the eye. Yeah. And it's really oh, slow, but stop. apparently they used a real body for that. And I was like, oh, my God. And it, when you watch the film, it's fucking gnarly, dude. Mm-hmm. It's like, holy shit. Yeah, man. but this one really came effective. out in like 1929. So I could imagine like, oh, man, when this when people saw that, they must have fucking lost their shit. But, um, you know, that's obviously a huge metaphor for, um, you know, what's. We're going to slash your vision and all that. We're going to slash the way you look at this kind of movie. You know, it's a huge, huge metaphor. You know, that's what the film's known for. Definitely that one sequence. But as the film goes on, it's it's your typical surrealist film. If anybody of you guys out there know anything about surrealist, the surrealist movement um, that was going on in the late 20s, um, you know, they were all about sexual undertones and um, ferority and subconscious metaphors and stuff like that. That was that was their main thing. And the movie that I talked about last week, The Seashell and the Clergyman, which is a really, really fucking, really gnarly film. Um, you know, that's also a surrealist film, and that film definitely has some sexual undertones. So this film, <coughs> the main character, um, the main male character... Definitely has some huge sexual frustration, and um, yeah, he pretty much rapes this girl, and you know, and through jump cuts and things like that. You could uh, it's it's innuendo, but you have to just imagine what's actually going on. You could tell that um, what he was going on that this guy's fantasizing about raping this girl, um, you know. So it's a weird 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 fucking movie and the ending is extremely weird it's 15 minutes at the most 15 16 minutes it's not very long um i don't think it could carry on like cecil and the clergyman could for 40 minutes but for what it is at 16 minutes um it it's it's at the perfect length and like i said it's highly 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 influential for that opening sequence and um yeah there's tits and ass in this movie also like i talked last week with the season on the clergyman, there's bare tits in it, and um, this one also has some tits and ass. So, um, for 1929, quite quite um controversial, but not as much season on the clergyman. But this one, um, you know, like I said, it's 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 the most well known representation of surrealist filmmaking, and um, it's actually really well done and interesting. Like I said, I don't like it as much as Cecil and the Clergyman, to be completely honest. But um, it's 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 definitely a film everybody should see because it it's it's highly influential. So uh, I'm gonna give that one a seven and a half out of ten. 
Cool. How long was that thing? Like 14, 15 minutes long? 15, 16 yeah. minutes. It's a short that I, I that's why I remembered watching it. I was really in into short films at the time and I remember hearing a episode of a podcast where they talked about eye horror and mm-hmm. uh, they mentioned Falchi Zombie and um, I think the New York Ripper maybe. I'm not sure. I've never seen that. But uh yeah. and then they mentioned yeah. the film that Jeremy just talked about and I I checked it out and I was like, Oh I can't yeah. watch that dust. <laughs> Oh, I'm like surprised you didn't bring up Thriller, man. That's oh, they probably did. It was fucking vicious, know, years man. ago when I watched this um, or listened to that podcast. But uh, I guess I'm next. Uh, yeah. The Blood Beast of Terror from 1968. I'm gonna read an IMDb synopsis. A scientist working with genetics creates a creature that is capable of transforming back and forth between a giant death head moth and a beautiful woman. The creature masquerades as his daughter when she is in her human incarnation and feeds on the blood of her victims when she is in her moth form. For some reason, I thought this film was about a bat. So um, that just goes to show you how much I was into this one. It's very, very creepingly slow. It's very Mm -hmm. boring. The editing is bad. The storytelling is bad. I really didn't like anything about this film, and I could barely... I could barely focus on it, to be honest. Uh, so I didn't, I can't say that I was fully invested into it. And I will say that the creature looked pretty awful. Um, and I give it a two out of 10. So really <laughs> two out of 10. Um, I haven't watched it. Yet. I actually just picked it up, but, uh, is you it, you will um, probably like it more than me. Like, but, is it, well, it's the same director that Brian, he did the, the same director did the whole trilogy. That's the middle one in the, in the trilogy. Oh, really? Uh, Brides of Blood is the first one. Oh, then, so I just skipped Brides of Blood and went straight to this. I didn't even know that. That's actually, I mean, that's actually the third film in the trilogy. The second one is, uh, yeah, um, can't remember the title right now, but it's the same director. So I was wondering, because the first film, Brides of Blood, is actually, it's pretty slow, um, you know, it's pretty I cheesy have and stuff. Of but, Blood, but I didn't know that, that that was the second film in the trilogy. Or else I would have started with Brides of Blood. Yeah, Brides of Blood is the first one. The second one is Mad Doctor of Blood Island. And then the Beast of Blood is the third one. Listen, I'm just saying it creeps by. Like, it mm-hmm. is so slow that I couldn't pay attention. And the editing was not good for a storytelling thing. Like, you know, you expect a certain uh, level of storytelling through editing. And it just – it was off. It was off to where I couldn't pay attention. I couldn't see what – I couldn't remember Brides of Blood what suffers was going from that too. on. So yeah, Bri- I was – Brides of Blood <laughs> suffers from the same problem actually. It fucking – you know, it kind of gets a little convoluted at the beginning like, OK, why are these people here again? And then all mm-hmm. of a sudden there's Stuff like, like that. Then, it's like that. And there's the things going thing. on. There's things going on with like some sacrifices and you're like, what the fuck? These are humanitarians that are there to – humanitarians that are – well, you know what? I'll talk about it briefly. Yeah. In but, a couple minutes, so. You know, when we watch films, um, good editing, there's good editing and then there's just the appropriate amount of editing quality. And this film doesn't meet that. So it's very noticeable because you're constantly wondering like, wait, it's better than bad you acting. You have to remind yourself what, what to watch it because you're like, what the hell the is going on here? And you keep rewinding by like five minutes and you're like, okay, I'm going to focus this time. And then 10 minutes later, I'm like, I'm lost again. Um, so, you know, <laughs> I don't know what to say about it, but I I didn't – I was not fully into it. 
and it was very annoying to watch. It was very tedious, and it's definitely a two out of ten for me. Uh, I just have a two out of ten. No. It's fucking crazy. Yeah, I, I haven't got that far. I haven't. I've only watched the first one out of the trilogy. So, <laughs> well, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Okay. Um. Wow. Two out of ten. I haven't heard you give a two out of ten Man, in a that's while. So brutal. Well, yeah, that's we, may more... that. we may hear that later on, but that that might that has me intrigued to watch the other two now, so I can get to that. <laughs> that rating might pipe, that rating might pop up later again. If you can manage to for it to hold your attention, I'm sure you will like it more than me. Um, if a film can't even manage to pull me in enough to just pay attention to what's happening, then I can't I cannot give it anything higher than a two. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I understand. Okay, so uh, first film I'm going to talk about tonight is from uh, 1957, and it is called uh, The Black Scorpion. Um, This is actually a first-time watch. I've never seen this film before, and I've always been wanting to check it out because I've heard really good, you know, positive things about it. And, uh, you know, um, I'm a big fan of, like, 50s, you know, type creature feature type films. And... uh, yeah, I finally got the DVD. It's been out of print for a long time, so I was really ex- excited about that. So, the Black Scorpion basically follows a couple, um, you know, geologists. Uh, they, I think that's what they are. No, geologists. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> American geologists, I think, down in, uh, and they're down in Mexico City. And what they're down there doing is they're basically studying the the volcanic, uh, the volcanic activity that's going on down there there's like a bunch of volcanoes that are you know just very active and they're studying the the volcanoes and and shit like that so um basically one day they come across this uh this rock i can't remember the actual name for volcanic uh rock that's all cooled down and stuff anyways they break this thing open and a fucking scorpion comes out of it and they're like well that's crazy because that thing's been sitting there for like a million years how the hell is this thing still alive and shit like that so but anyways these volcanoes they start getting really active and essentially what happens is it stirs up uh these um scorpions that are apparently these giant scorpions that are living you know within the in the mountains and stuff so these things kind of go crazy and these scorpions escape and start terrorizing mexico city now it's up to them to you know figure out a way to fucking stop these huge scorpions because they're kind of immune to like pretty much everything you know because scorpions are covered in body armor and you know they're they're just really essentially hard to kill when they're that fucking big so that's the storyline um now my thoughts on this one (laughs) wow this movie is fucking awesome it was really good the storyline's so basic but i have to say the acting was really good uh, the effects is what sells this film, man. I, I've, I've read people saying that, you know, this film is the best when the, you know, the scorpions are on screen and all the actions happening. I have to, you know, agree with that completely. The effects are fucking awesome, man. It's like Ray Harryhausen type shit, man. Really, really good, uh, you know, stop motion animation and shit like that. It's really fucking well done. Um, the guy that did the, um, well, co, uh, co-designed the effects is uh, willis o'brien who did the um effects for uh uh king kong actually so you kind of know what you're getting yourself into with this but man dude the scorpions look fucking fantastic in this giant scorpions terrorizing mexico city (laughs) it's fantastic and it's really really entertaining and how they come up with trying to kill these scorpions and and what you know it all comes to it's really fucking awesome i was super entertained throughout the whole thing loving every moment of it but like i said this movie is all about watching the amazing stop motion in it. It's really fucking well done. And it just blew my socks off. Like 
I don't really know what else to say. Some of the scenes with the scorpions and the and the helicopters that are flying by and the scorpion would grab the helicopter and I was like, fuck, damn, that's awesome. I, I just had a blast with it. And you pretty much know what you're going to get with this one. It's a 50s, you know, sci-fi horror film. Um, but surprising with really good acting and just a really good setting. I love the setting in it and some beautiful actresses in it and stuff. And, oh, fantastic, fantastic movie. I couldn't recommend it enough. Nine out of ten. Awesome I used flick. to really like um, catching those type of films on like they would they would be on Monster Vision sometimes when I was a kid. Unfortunately, oh, I don't really remember like the titles and which ones I've seen. The only one I know I for sure have Man, seen is on... like Them, which I love. Them is great. I was so, on uh, I was on somebody some Facebook page. I was looking. This one's kind of like Them actually. Yeah. I was on some Facebook page. I was looking around and um, somebody had like literally like. 80 or 90 full uh, blocks of monster vision. I was like, Ugh. I have about 60. Really? Yep. Oh, why haven't you said anything? On bootleg. Yeah. Um, I did say stuff. I was going to send some of them to moods. I, I have, I have them on, I have about half of them on, on actual bootleg. The other half I have on uh, like files, but I, I'm, I need to transfer that second half to D, to actual. Yeah. DVD. Damn. But yeah, I have I have tons of stuff like the basket case, like uh, not basket case. Uh, it's alive. Um, Where'd you get them? I think uh, I had a I had a bunch recorded on VHS. Oh yeah. And then I had uh, I, I you know found them throughout the internet over the years. I mean, I'm talking years. I've been yeah, collecting yeah. these. I haven't found any ones that I haven't seen out online though so you know throughout years i've found better quality versions of you know this one or that one so i haven't looked in a long time but you know when i was you know years ago i was really hunting them down man (laughs) i was trying to send me some of those because i five six years ago yeah i really gotta check those out man fuck um but yeah so getting back (laughs) i got sidetracked but the black scorpion um if you want to find this, it's actually released by Warner Brothers, so it's like in an old snapper case. It is out of print, but you can find it for, for really cheap, though. It's not that expensive. I, I got this for 5 or $6. But it is in a snapper case, but I do highly recommend this film. If you like 50s films, like I said, you'll love this one. It's one of the better ones I've ever seen. And I'm really ashamed that this is the first time I've ever seen this, because this is one I'm going to go back to. I yeah. really fucking enjoyed this movie. It was awesome. Every minute of it was awesome. So, so yeah. Black Scorpion. Jeremy. All right, so hopefully we don't get flagged for this one. All right, next film <laughs> we shall be talking about is Rec 4 from the year 2014. So this, of course, is the fourth film in the Rec series. It came out a while ago, but I just had a chance to sit down and VOD it because it still does not have a DVD release date. I don't know when it's coming out, and I, you know, I, I forgot about it, so I sat down and I watched it, so... So, Rec 4 takes place directly after the ending of Rec 2, if I stand corrected. Like I said, the storylines for the Rec series kind of, you know, all not screwed up. It's very understandable if you look it up and you read it. So, Rec 1 and Rec 3 take place at the same time, if I stand corrected. And then, of course, Rec 2 takes place after Rec 1, and Rec 4 takes place after Rec 2. So, 1 and 3 happen at the same time. And then one, two, and four follow the same location storyline type thing. So, Rec Four picks up right after the ending of Rec Two. Um, we are in the house where Rec One and Two take place, and um, a SWAT team 
um, goes in and rescues our heroine from Wreck 1, who is thought to be dead in Wreck 2. And um, so they take her, this is an isolated film, and they take her and um, the two SWAT members that rescue her to a Navy ship in the middle of the sea because they want to make sure that she's not contaminated anymore. And um, when they're out on sea, we learn that somebody took blood from her and um, they were doing tests to try and find an antidote and the um, the test monkey escapes and shit breaks loose onto this ship in the middle of nowhere. And that's about it. It's just them trying to survive. And uh, there's a twist that we see at the end of Wreck 1 that takes place again here in Wreck 4 and um, all that kind of stuff. It's Like I said, it's really interesting that they were able to connect the third film in this. There's some kind of connection here with Wreck 3. Which is interesting because, like I said, that really um, Wreck Three takes place in a totally different place than the first Wreck and the second Wreck. So, the fact that they were able to tie it in some way or another was really interesting, and the effects in this movie are really, really well done. The prosthetics and the gore and everything like that, really, really good. All practical that I could tell from my eye. Um, so that was good. The story is good. Like I said, I'm no, I've, I'm a really huge fan of the Wreck series. I always enjoy them. I think they're it's a really, really good series. And I know, you know, people say this one's the worst. Yeah, I can see what they're getting at. Um, it's definitely the um, the weakest in the series, but it's still a good film. And the way that they're able to keep the continuity throughout all four films, really, really interesting. Really, really an interesting thing. I'm curious to see if they make another one. I wouldn't be surprised. The ending could they leave. They did a clip. say that one was supposed to end the series. Yeah, that's not true. That from the ending, there's that's a cliffhanger for sure. But um, yeah, it's good. Check it out. It has good gore, good facts, everything like that. Interesting story. If you've seen the other three, there's no reason why you shouldn't check this one out. If you like them, seven out of ten. Goddamn uh, Sylvester Stallone's. <laughs> <laughs> and also, I'll tell you that um, you mentioned there's no DVD release. Um, it's going to be released on DVD April fourteenth. Uh, you VOD and shit, man. Damn. Yeah, look at you. Well, he does sometimes. Like sometimes. If there's a film, I, I've noticed if there's a film that he's waiting on for a while and it's taken forever to come out, he'll VOD. Well, you know if he's uh, VOD and something, he's been really looking forward to it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I don't so. VOD many things. So. Yeah, yeah. It's so expensive. Yeah. It is, man. What do you guys pay Especially for? Especially if you're up gonna there? end up buying it. Well, shit, dude. If a film up is there, like I mean, down not, there. if a film's not on DVD yet and it's VOD, sometimes like six. Six I bucks. I paid six bucks for it. Yeah. yeah. Fuck, man. That. Yeah. Well. It, so, is there different prices for for uh, standard definition yeah. and high definition? Standard yeah. def is a dollar cheaper. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think I pay. Yeah, I think five ninety nine or something for high def VODs. Yeah. When when we were, uh, you know, trying to get prepared for the year end show, I VOD like three or four movies, and I was like, damn, I just spent like twenty five bucks on fucking <laughs> yeah, fucking VOD shit, yeah. man. I was but I was ever VOD too. too. It's better to do that. It. It's better to do that than be the naughty person and download it for nothing. So yeah, I don't do that. No, and I the never, only way I'll do that is if once. it's not if it's not on DVD or if it's out of print and there's no rental link. If if there's none of that, then maybe I'll try to find it online somewhere like YouTube. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I don't download nothing. Alternate, yeah. Q. Uh, so yeah, I guess 
The next film is The Green Slime from 1968. Of course, this film was on the Warner Archive label, I believe. And yeah. it actually, I found when I was watching it, it uh, it was owned by MGM at one point. So uh, Warner, I know Warner ended up getting a lot of MGMs, but uh, that sucks because that's one we probably could have seen get a cool release. Uh, <laughs> this film follows Earth who's dealing with an asteroid problem. There's a giant asteroid heading towards Earth, and they have to stop it or else it's going to destroy all mankind. So they send some astronauts up in space. Uh, two of the astronauts are kind of like alpha males, and they're button heads a bit because they like the same girl and stuff. Um, then they, they like land on the asteroid, and on this asteroid, there's this green slime. Um and it's like polluted all over the place and it kind of moves a bit and stuff. And you're like, uh, you get a very blob heavy feel from this and which the blob did come out before this, I believe. So makes sense. Uh, and Oh yeah. The blob is out for a long time. Yeah. Uh, so they end up wanting, one of the astronauts want to take it back with them to like study it and stuff like you do with the foreign matter. Uh, but then they're like, no, 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 we're not taking any contamination back to the, you know, satellite or spaceship or whatever. So they destroy it, but then a piece of it lands on the dude's leg. Uh, so when they come back, they they blow up the asteroid, they come back to their ship, they're all happy, like, we saved Earth, we're going to be heroes and stuff like that. And then this green slime starts to mutate uh, with the help of electricity. It feeds off of electricity and gets bigger and eventually turns into one-eyed tentacle monsters. And they look terrible. <laughs> they look they look so ridiculous. I mean, honestly, they, they don't look terrible, but they look so over the top and ridiculous that you have to laugh. It's not like a serious like the blob was serious, right? Like the blob is like a serious like killing thing. Uh, but these are like killing things. They're just not serious. They're ridiculous looking. But it's still fun. It's that fun charm that's like. Uh, those like 50s, 60s monster movies where like the effects are like they didn't really have a whole lot of great effects in some of the lower tier movies, so you get a lot of cheesiness, and and that's kind of what this is. I still had a lot of fun with it though. I'll say that the drama beef between the two alpha males did not care for at all, and then um, the gooey green tentacle monsters zapping everybody was kind of fun so i give it about a seven out of ten i still really much enjoyed it though so uh check it out if you can you can also see this on uh warner has their own netflix thing so if you don't want to buy all of these which you know we always do anyway uh as dvd collectors but if you're did not you so much one? of a collector i did not there was a free trial <laughs> of warner's <laughs> archive thing it's like their net their version of netflix with all their uh archive titles that you could stream their archive titles on their website so you can do that and you know check out you know bad ronald and tons of those films that was released through that label um so yeah awesome Coolio, man. I really got to check out this movie, man. I know Derek always raves about it, and he loves the fucking movie. And uh, he, I remember he was pushing for that when we did our What We Watched. Uh-huh, uh-huh. No, that's, the, viewer's, that's one the viewer's choice. Yeah, that's why I actually even went and like sought it out to see because I never even heard of it, I don't think. But, you, you know, the Warner Archive thing, they're like $15 a DVD for oh, they're so Burn On Demand. And, and you could catch them on sale for like $10 sometimes, but yes. I'm looking at more like 7 that I want to pay, you know? Mm. 
And well, I have to admit, though, man, all those burn on demands I've ever bought, which isn't too many. I only have maybe a handful or six or seven of them. Um, they're all really good transfers. Like those things blow my fucking mind. And like, and when you flip over the disc and you see that burn, you're like, yeah, oh. well, it's not it, you know, like it's, it's, it's me and you just burning it on our cheap computer. No, no, no. It, it's well done. I mean? yeah. yeah. So it's gonna, it's gonna be pretty awesome, but it's still overpriced. Oh, it completely is. Yeah. I, I agree. But yeah, it, it's one I, I really want to check out. But man, those fucking things up here, like, you know, they go for 20, 22 bucks a piece or something like yeah. that. There's just no fucking way. Um, of course, I'm going to break the mold again. These guys are talking about 60s and 1920 film. Oh, no, Jeremy <laughs> talked about Rack Force, so that was new. Yeah. yeah. Um, actually, the newest one, so, yeah, sorry about that. But, yeah, we've been talking about a lot of older films lately. Foreshadowing. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> it's better uh, than the feature review, that's for sure. So, this one I'm going to talk about is from 2012. I believe it came out on DVD last year. I think it came out early last year on DVD or something. Uh, religion uh, re- originally released in 2012. Uh, it's a Thai film slash American pr- uh, production uh, called Countdown. Now, I'd first heard about this film actually when uh, Danny actually reviewed this one way back in the day on Body Bags, uh, and it kind of piqued my interest. I thought it sounded really interesting. Um, basically, it's about uh, three Thai uh, teenagers that are living in New York City. Um, you know, they're there basically. Sem- by their parents because their parents are obviously well they got some money and what and you know whatnot but the fact of the matter is they're sent to you know the u.s to go to school (laughs) is essentially what they're there to do but of course they're not really doing that you know uh the one male character in the film he's been there for three years and he's been lying to his dad the entire time (laughs) you know and you know shit like that he's just been collecting the money and partying Anyways, one night, uh, Buddy's girlfriend finally comes in from Thailand. It's her first night there. And they're all sitting around. They're fucking, you know, enjoying themselves. And Buddy's like, well, let's get some let's get some weed, man. You know, <laughs> let's make this party better. So smoke that weed every day. So they so they go next door to his regular drug dealer. And, of course, Buddy's moving out. And he's like, no, dude, I don't have any more drugs and shit like that. So he's kind of looking through this box. And he's like, hey, man, can I have this shit? Can I have that? Comes across this ripped up uh, kind of business card. And it's by this guy named Jesus, you know, and it's like a drug dealer's card. But so he puts the shit together and it's, of course, missing the last number. So, you know, being the obvious, you have 10 chances to get that number right, basically. So like, well, we need some fucking weed. Let's, uh, you know, phone this number. He asks his girlfriend what her favorite number is. She says three. He pushes three as the final digit and, of course, Jesus answers. So anyways, Jesus shows up at their house and he's a fucking cool dude, man. You know, he actually does look like Jesus, man. He's got the long hair, the goatee, and he's really he's he's fun. He's fun and he's smoking some joints with these guys and they're having a great time. And then the shit goes real fucking sour because Jesus isn't necessarily there to just sell these guys weed. He's there to, you know, he's got his own agenda. And so that's basically your film. I don't want to give anything else. Can't really go beyond that. Uh, it's basically contained. You know, this the whole movie takes place in this apartment between these four characters, with the exception of, you know, one or two that come and go. But, you know, it's basically four characters. You've got Jesus and the three Thai characters. And, you know, this is one of those movies you can't really say a whole lot about because I don't really want to ruin anything. Um, but it, it's essentially one of those films where, you know, Jesus, you know, that type of character, he's harassing the living shit out of these guys. And like I said, I don't want to give anything away because it kind of ruins the whole fucking movie. Um, but it's it's an interesting film 
on on a different on a bunch of different levels. For one, this one might irritate a few people when you watch it. If you're not into subtitles, it might kind of irritate you, and I'll explain why. Because uh, the Thai characters, they um, obviously can speak, you know, you know Thai, and they can also speak English. Now, when Jesus shows up at the house, they start speaking English in the film, and you soon learn that he can actually speak Thai. So it kind of goes back and forth between English and, and Thai language. Really interesting because like one minute, like they're having huge conversations in English and then also the next minute you're reading subtitles. So that might infuriate some people that don't really, you know, dig that type of shit, but don't be lazy, read the goddamn movie. <laughs> so, um, I don't know. I think JP might enjoy this film. Uh, it's got a pretty interesting premise. I think the, um, I think the fucking the ending to this film may be a little contrived. It's a little busy. Uh, it's definitely psychological. Um, fuck, I, I really don't want to say anything. You can't say a lot about this movie without giving anything away. I can't give away specifics, but uh, it's kind of like you know, it in a way, it's essentially like a home invasion film. In a way, you know, it kind of has that type of vibe to it. And of course, it's all set on New Year's, uh, hence countdown. Right. I like that whole aspect and how they incorporated the countdown, the New Year's countdown with what actually was going on in the film. I thought that was a pretty interesting premise. There's a lot of really cool things happening in this film and some twists and turns, of course. Uh, like I said, the ending's a little contrived. Um, maybe open, open for some interpretation, your own interpretation. I don't know. I really don't know how to explain it, but it did have a lot of things I enjoyed. But I think the ending for me left me a little soft. <laughs> for lack of a better word. Well, I'm not um, used to that. I watch too many Oscar films. Yeah. So, I don't know, man. You know, it was actually quite enjoyable. I was enjoying it, and I was really intrigued the whole film on where it was going. You know, I was like, okay, this is kind of interesting. And then you start to learn things about each and one of these characters, and then that's how the film develops. It's pretty interesting. It's got a cool premise. I think it might be executed. I think the ending kind of, it doesn't ruin the film, but I think it's just... Like I said, it's, you know, use your imagination kind of thing. Um, I did enjoy the film and I do give it about a six and a half out of ten. I do think it's worth a watch, you know, but um, use your own discretion. I mean, if that sounds interesting, man, it, you know, I think some people I've actually read reviews that people fucking love this movie, like way, way higher. I know Danny like just raved about this one. For me, it was like, eh. so. <laughs> If you have similar, if you have similar tastes <laughs> or whatever, give it a shot. But I don't know. So that's count from countdown from 2012. It's not bad. It's not bad. Better than average. Cool, cool. Yeah, Jeremy, you have uh, your segment. Sure. So Jeremy's midnight movie. Talk about a French film from the year 2010 titled Black Heaven. Oh yeah. So, very interesting movie. There's a few movies like this that has a um, internet suicide type of a theme going on. I don't have a few of them in my collection. It's 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 interesting that there's more than one film in this in you know that are like this. But basically, a film follows this guy and his girlfriend and one day when they're taking a motor scooter ride they come across this car and in this car there's a guy and a girl who are attempting to commit suicide and um there's a cell phone and the cell phone has video of 
you know, the, you know, their suicide note. And the guy um, actually goes through with it and he dies. But the girl that's still in the car, um, she ends up living. And as the film goes on, the guy kind of gets lured in a little bit by this girl to this game on this internet, which is like this avatar-based game. Everybody has their avatars. And, um, you know... This game's linked to real-life events that are happening in the world, but it has, of course, to do with people who are obsessed with killing themselves in the real world and grouping together to come together to commit mass, you know, suicide in a mass group. So, um, you know, this girl lures and plays with this guy in the real world through this game, and the ending um, comes up and... um, it's it's okay it's an okay ending like i said like i've talked about a lot <laughs> on the show that review. that was a funny in, noise in in what sense the noise oh the yeah yeah like i've talked about before a film could be really really interesting and fresh and original and has an interesting idea but then you get to the ending and if you have a shitty ending is <laughs> this one's kind of it's not really but it's a little bit of, but, oh my um, God. <laughs> that's a lot of farty noises. Yeah. Because like I talked, like you weren't here, but like I said, the film has an interesting idea, but then it gets to the ending and the end a little bit of, it's not all the way, but it's just a little bit of, so if you don't have a good ending, your film's mostly going to be, but, um, this is, it's an interesting idea. And, um, I like the play of, having a real world and a video game world intertwined with these people who want to kill themselves. And this guy gets into some pretty deep shit with these people. As we learn, as the film goes on that these people aren't as what they think they are. And, um, he gets into some serious shit and, you know, of course that damages his relationship with his girlfriend and stuff like that. But, um, it's an interesting French film. It's not the best French film. That's for sure. It's definitely not the best IFC film. But it's a, it has an interesting concept and a, an original idea that could keep it interesting. Like I said, the ending's a little bit so. Give this one a seven out of ten. That oh. I think that just set the record for the most mouth fart noises in a review ever. Damn yep. straight in the history of podcasting, you actually just set the world record for. The- <laughs> <laughs> what was yeah. your rating again? Seven out of ten. Seven out of ten with all those fart noises. Yeah, yeah that's what I was wondering. That's amazing. Only the, only the ending is. But still, so all of seven. those fart noises for that one ending. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Have a shitty ending. You're probably going to get. All right. So moving on to my segment. Believe me, there'll be a lot more in a little bit. <laughs> you got to go sit on that toilet, dude. Come on. It's that taco <laughs> smell from yesterday, man. Fuck, it'll do it to anybody, man. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> Sound effects. <laughs> we got our <laughs> own soundboard. <laughs> yeah, that was actually yeah. a real gag. Even thinking of Taco Bell makes me gag. Ugh. I'm a human soundboard. You know, I just I just come out with the fart noises, and then I come out with the... Texas Chainsaw Massacre. There you go. Yeah. JP. Okay, so moving on to my segment this week, which is a closer look at where we take a Blu-ray release, review the film along with the special features, touch on those. Um, and big surprise, I decided to go with another Scream Factory this week. Now, it won't always be a Scream Factory. Boy. 
But I've been, you know, trying to check out some of the features on these that I missed. Uh, so I'm going in order, and that's The Burning from the year 1981. This film follows oh, a, a summer camp where five years prior to the what we're seeing now was this prank gone wrong type thing. There's this janitor who's kind of a dick, and they're all like, let's go mess with the janitor because he was a dick to you and you and you, and we're going to go in and... Uh, prank him and we're gonna put a skull on his oh my god is this the first time you've watched this movie lit on fire yes it is um (laughs) so good movie one thing that i was like really surprised that was like just the prank that they did was just brutal i was like what like what where does how is that a prank that's like illegal as hell or something you know they go get a it looked real to me right isn't it supposed to be a real human like head like or is it fake? I, I was confused by that. So I was like, okay, so they put this uh, skull head thing on this guy's thing, and he wakes up and trips out. He's like, well, what the hell? And then he kicks it, and it sets him on fire. And then he runs outside, and he's all burned up and stuff in the hospital, and he's all pissed off. So five years later, he comes back to a similar summer camp and gets his revenge on the people – that are at the camp sex. that had nothing to do with the actual prank. Yeah. Well, some of them, <laughs> some most of them. Yeah. Most. Yeah. There was only one guy that actually was still there. Um, this is at a different camp though. So well, I think it, I found exactly. Seinfeld in this movie. Um, Jason Alexander. Yeah. 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 Jason Alexander. And honestly, he was my favorite character. I was like, I thought he was very charismatic as a kid. Yeah. Like oh, yeah. I, I, and I'm not familiar with him. Okay. Like I'd never watched Seinfeld growing up or anything like that. And I've never seen anything that he's done, but I was like, wow, I, re- this guy's really likable in this film. Like he's, he's just quick witted and stuff. And he's like the jokester and he seems like an all around fun person to be around, especially in that camp setting, which he fits so perfect into there. But besides that, I, I I didn't like a ton of the characters to be honest. Like uh, Glazer, I know he's supposed to be like non likable, but I didn't even like him as a bully. I thought he was a whack ass bully. Uh, uh, you know, I didn't like that character at is all. He, I like I like I like actually quality? when he gets bullied himself. I think that's funny. Yeah, yeah, which is cool, and you know that all works okay. But as when I like as a bully, like I think of like Sleepaway Camp, like Judy as like the bitchy girl bully. Like this guy was not that good. I, I didn't really like him as, as as I didn't think he fit the role very well. I don't know. Um, so yeah, the burning, uh, some great kills, great special effects by Tom Savini. This one gets compared to Friday the Thirteenth Part Two a lot. I've always noticed probably because Tom Savini you know, decided to decline working on Friday the 13th part two to do the burning. Um, so that, that was kind of, I I was thinking, I I was expecting this one to be more sleazy for some reason, because I thought, you know, just based on the things I've heard, like I said, I've never seen this one. I I always pictured it as this like sleazy slasher, but it it really wasn't. It was kind of like, um, you know, it's a good summer camp slasher. It definitely is. I, I very much enjoyed it. Uh, Great kills. Uh, the, the Cropsy Killer himself uh, was pretty cool. I'm actually not the biggest fan of him, though. Like, I think he's he definitely is held it, held it at like really high um, quality in terms of uh, slasher killers. Um, but I thought he was decent. Uh, the effects I thought were decent on him. Uh, his arm when he sticks it out and grabs somebody's arm early in the film, like that was really cool. I wasn't a big fan of the burn vision though. Uh, I understand what it's supposed to do. It's supposed to make you 
and see through the eyes of a burned victim. Maybe his eyelids were all burned up or his eyes were effed up from the fire or whatever. But I, I, I didn't really think it worked that all that well. Um, overall, this though, podcast is rated R. You can actually say the word fuck. You oh, do yeah. realize that, right? So, yeah. Uh, so <laughs> I give the burning an eight out of ten. Uh, definitely a solid slasher. Uh, I do still like Friday the 13th Part 2 better, though, if you're going to do a direct comparison, which, moving on to I the think special... It actually gets tr- I think it's more of, like, a direct... Yeah, I guess Part 2. I guess that's kind of what they do, but... Yeah. I don't know. I think I like Part 2, actually, better than Burning, to be honest, too. You know, yeah. I used to hide the burn. I used to have the Burning um, very, very highly regarded. You know, I've seen it so many times, and I'm just like, you know, I actually do enjoy Part 2 a lot better. Yeah, you know? yeah. I mean, too. now I do. I mean, I mean, well, you know how people's tastes change over years mm-hmm. and stuff. But the burning is really, I don't know. It's well, a good film. I love I'll, the burning. But I'll compare yeah. this to one other situation. Um, I had never seen Maniac, and that has got a ton of hype throughout my lifetime. And when I finally seen it, it delivered. This one also delivered, but nowhere near as much as Maniac. Um, so in terms of like standalone slashers, I definitely like others more than this one but it is still a great slasher uh so moving on to the unless you want to say something no the the burning's an interesting conversation piece because you always hear from people you know a lot of people have it so highly regarded on their you know slasher lists and stuff and then Mm -hmm. on the flip side there's a lot of people that say it's like one of the most overrated slasher films of all time you know there's a really you know, it's kind of almost split. I mean, not so much, but there's a lot of people that are just like, it's not really that great. I mean, it's just overrated. Well, if I was to choose a camp, I would say that it's overrated, but uh, that doesn't mean that I didn't like it. Obviously I Mm -hmm. gave an eight out of 10, but compared to the, a lot of people that that say that it's overrated actually really don't care for it that much. So, you know, I understand your point of the overrated and you're the same as me too. Like, I, I mean, I like a lot of films that I think are totally, you know, overrated and, you know, shit like that. You know, just because you use the word overrated doesn't mean you necessarily don't like the film. Yeah. And people get that confused often. It's very contrived. Like that, that statement is always like, I know Jeremy on, I, I think his vision is a little different. I think when he uses the word overrated, I think he actually doesn't care for the film. Isn't that right? Jeremy? He's muted. Sorry, are people hype it up too much than it needs to be? But I mean... The, yeah. But like, most, most overrated films... Mm, no, I like some of the overrated films. I mm. like Serbian film, but that's overrated. Yeah. And I yeah, like Martyrs. So, I love Martyrs, but that movie's overrated. Yeah, okay, so you understand the actual meaning of overrated. Then. Yeah, it doesn't exactly. mean that it's bad. Just, just because someone, if I personally said, you know, oh yeah, The Blair Witch Project is overrated... Oh, that movie's like, definitely I, overrated. That, it is. that I dislike the movie. It's just um, it's actually overrated. Like I don't well, that's think it's actually, a nine and a half out of ten. You know, it's that's, like, well, what? that's actually a perfect example of the meaning for me because I love the Blair Witch Project. I'm not going to say what my rating is, but it's probably pretty high. And I think that film's overrated. So well, that's the perfect way. example. Just put it this way for me with the Blair Witch Project. Um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the series I do on YouTube, Top 10 Tuesdays. But anyways, the specific one that's coming up next week is Top 10 Found Footage Films. And you might not see The Blair Witch on there. <laughs> and that list 
is overrated then yeah <laughs> do not watch that top 10 guys <laughs> definitely check out that top 10 because if you want to see some other new and awesome fucking uh found footage films definitely tune into that top 10 list yeah very surprised that that film did not possibly make your top 10 list you know to be honest man holy fuck compiling this list i was astonished at how many found footage films i actually like it was fucked up yeah <laughs> so but anyways, you know, getting back to the, the whole found, the, or the overrated thing, everyone has a I, – I've got so many comments like, whoa, overrated, blah, blah. I'm like, man, seriously, just because you say something's overrated doesn't mean I dislike it. People cannot wrap their head around that. Yeah. You know, mm. overrated, it's always associated with shitty yeah. or not cool or I don't like this thing. It's yeah. not necessarily the case, you know. So at least we're on the same page. To, to me, the burning is definitely a good slasher, but it's – to me, it's not one of the best. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. All right. So. Uh, my, uh, oh, I didn't oh, finish. That's right. You're doing the fucking. <laughs> yeah. The so um, first up, we have a commentary with the director, Tony Malin, and the uh, a film journalist named Alan Jones. He kind of moderates it. This commentary was very interesting to, to me because he talks about a lot of things such as the Weinstein's involvement with this film and how they kind of, you know, was controlling it a little bit. They, he doesn't get into it. it. It seems like he didn't want to talk about some of it. Um, but he does mention that, uh, you know, they were definitely uh, there the whole shoot, like, saying things. Uh, also, It was he, their first production, though, too, wasn't it? Yeah, and they wrote – one of the brothers wrote it, I believe, or yeah, co-wrote yeah. it. Uh, but also, I kind of got a bad vibe with this director. Um, he's British. And he, it's not because he's British, but I just mentioned that he was British. <laughs> so he was like, at one point, the moderator is kind of saying how like, oh, it's so awesome how this film has lived on and really became something amazing. And he asked him, are, are you know, even though it didn't do great at the time, are you proud of this film? And the guy kind of stumbles around the question. He's like, what, what, what? And you, I got the vibe that he wasn't proud of it. And then he started mentioning things about critically. Uh, he kept bringing up like critics and stuff and uh, a, the alien film being the best horror film ever made and things like that. And he seemed very like almost kind of anti what we are where it's like, like it's like, oh, that's that smut. That's smut stuff. Like you kind of got the vibe that he was very serious and uh, about what critics thought. And that was like the end all be all is like, mm -hmm. well, if it's not critically successful, it's not successful. Um, you know what I mean? So I, I kind of got a bad vibe with him that he didn't really love the film. But he did kind of talk about stuff that he did like about the film, had fun shooting it and stuff. Uh, then the second commentary is uh, to the actresses that were in the film. This one's moderated as well. This one was a little more lighthearted, fun, just kind of reminiscing. That It seems like they all had a very good time in the filmmaking. They, it what was kind of like a summer camp, like all the kids were having fun and stuff. So that was kind of a lighthearted, fun little commentary. Neither of them I would really recommend too much. The, the director one kind of was interesting and insightful. Then we have uh, a feature at with Tom Savini, an interview runs about um, 20 minutes long, 18 or so. He actually can um, compares Friday the 13th part two in this film a lot through the film. Um, and that's kind of, I think one of the main reasons that it gets done so much is because of Tom Savini. Tom Savini is a very interesting guy. It kind of sucks. You know, he's from Pennsylvania, but he's known to be kind of a dick. He's like from, you know, Pittsburgh area, which is, you know, 
my neck of the woods. So that kind of sucks. But uh, he's fun to listen to. He explains the special effects. We see behind the scenes footage while he's explaining what he did. He goes through each one and talks about like, well, what here, what I tried to do. Um, it's a fun little featurette. Uh, then we have an interview with the editor. Not very interesting there. I would say skip that one. Then we have an interview with the actor who played Cropsey, um, which honestly, he didn't play Cropsey very much except for in that beginning scene. Um, because it was stand-ins who was playing the actual Cropsy monster, uh, you know, post-burn. Um, so huh. the guy was kind of funny, and he said some really funny stuff at the end, but I, I, it's not that great either. One thing I'll say, though, is I thought that his nose was a special effect. No, that's his real nose. It really <laughs> looks like that. A um, special effect in an interview? <laughs> no, no, in the, in the film. Like, I thought in the film when he's sleeping in the bed, like, he has kind of a pig nose. And I was oh, like, yeah. I, I was like, oh, they made him look like funny or like mean, but no, that's his real nose. So <laughs> that wow. was kind of funny. Uh, behind the scenes footage, more, just kind of more of the stuff that Tom Savini was talking about in his interview. Uh, nothing too great there. Then you have makeup effects gallery and still gallery. Nothing really there. Theatrical trailer. Um, overall, not not super stacked, yo. I'm kind of disappointed a little bit. I was expecting the burning collector's edition to have some more cool stuff. Honestly, the best thing there is Tom Savini talking about special effects, and let's face it, he's done that a million times. So a little disappointing on the special features on The Burning. All right, so moving along into my Italian Stallion of the Week. Uh, This one is coming from the year of 1978, and it is called The Sister of Ursula. This was released by Severin Films. And I think like most weeks, um, I Italian Stallion seems to come from the 70s, which makes a lot of sense because there was a lot of really good ones in the 70s. Uh, <laughs> this one right here is uh, probably – it's an interesting one. Um, I think this might appeal to some people out there. Uh, the storyline in this one is basically very simple. Um, it's about a couple sisters that uh, are on vacation. Um, I believe they're uh, – I think they say that they're Austrian or they're, they're from a different country. Anyways, they're in, they're in Italy on vacation. Uh, the one sister, uh, Ursula, of course, um, she's the younger sister. And, um, you know, you learn very quick in the film that, uh, that she's got, they're on vacation basically to escape their everyday lives because she has kind of not mental issues, but, um, she's having some problems and, you know, some issues getting over the, the death of her father, uh, she was like not obsessed with her father, but she loved her father. Her father was a musician and, you know, he ultimately died. And the older sister knows the exact reasons why her father died. But Ursula, of course, doesn't actually even know, you know, the full reasons of how her father passed away and stuff. But anyways, they decide to take a vacation. They go to this this resort, which is in a very, very beautiful location. It's fucking awesome. Anyways, they get to this uh, hotel resort. And of course, uh, basically random people start getting killed off by this killer, you know, and you got a whole pile of like, you know, sub storylines that are going on. You got the hotel manager who's having issues with his wife and, you know, you've got this other guy, this other drug addict that's obsessed with this ballroom singer that's in the film. So you got all these kind of things, all these connecting type of stories that are going on in this, uh, in this hotel. And of course you've got Ursula, like I said, she's got some issues um, the interesting thing about Ursula is that she's got, of course, these weird psychic abilities that she can actually foresee things that are going to happen in the future. I know it sounds cliche and stupid, but, you know, it does play into the story actually quite well. And uh, anyways, of course, people start getting knocked off one by one by this killer. Now, the cool thing about this killer <laughs> is the weapon. 
uh, of course, it's this movie is a giallo, so it's all done from like POV style and you know stuff like that. But um, now the interesting thing is the is the killer's um, you know weapon is very phallic. It's very very phallic. Phallic, <laughs> like how phallic? Oh, we're talking major fucking phallic. And like he basically like slumber party massacre phallic. Uh, <laughs> I, I I honestly can't really say, but. Um, <laughs> So, you know, the killer's weapon is, you know, very phallic. And what it does, it, you know, uses that phallic weapon to to violate and kill and mutilate these women. So, you know, that's your storyline. So you have all these connecting type stories and there's a lot of shit going on in this film. Now, my thoughts on this one. Um, of course, when I first learned that, you know, Ursula had these psycho- or psychotic, <laughs> these fucking psychic powers, um, I was like, oh, really? You know? And all these other kind of, you know, connecting type storylines. And, it, you know, the, the cool thing about this Giallo is that it's, you know, it all makes sense at the end. It really does come together very nicely, actually. And, I mean, you know, some Giallos, you know, can kind of leave you going, okay, well, they just kind of incorporated that and blah, blah, blah. Everything actually does come together in this one. Now, this one actually is probably the sleaziest Giallo I've ever seen in my entire life. And I've seen a fuckload of sleazy giallos. This one right here makes the centerfold girls um, nudity look like fucking, you know, Barney show. Does this this make... one, this oh, one has okay. so much fucking tits and muff. And like we're talking like re- like there's actually scenes where you can literally see the dude licking your pussy. I was like, holy fuck, that's pretty graphic, man. And like there's so much tits and muff and, and just sleaziness, sex and and gore and. Like I said, the killer kills with the, this, you know, this phallic weapon, and you know well, when I'm they show have the, to get this one. when they show the bodies, they actually show the girls mutilated, and of course their pussy area, their vagina area is bloody to hell and all mutilated because you know, so it's really fucking sleazy. Not only with the killings, it's almost on the ta- on the like edge of good, like bad taste. Good one to write about. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of interesting things going on, and uh, you know, it's kind of blatant with the phallic, you know, ism in this film, and but oh my god, like. It's it's actually really well done. Like at first, I was like, okay, this is really sleazy. I'm loving the sex scenes, and then <laughs> some dude steps in and kills, and you're like, okay. But you know, like some giallos, like I said, you know, in the past, I've you know, I've seen, and you know, they're a little convoluted. They're a little, you know, you're like, what the fuck, you know? But this one all comes together very beautifully in such a sleazy way. <laughs> it's awesome. It's awesome. It's a really fun flick, man. I gotta say. Uh, runs just over 90 minutes, you know, the pretty, pretty much standard. This one's actually starring, um, what's her name? Barbara Magnifali from Suspiria. She's in Suspiria. Um, she plays, um, Ursula. She plays the main character in the film, uh, which you'd recognize if you've seen Suspiria before. And of course it's got Steph, uh, Stephanie, uh, DeMario from Zombie actually. So two recognizable faces in this film that play the sisters. Uh, but you know, it's a giallo, so I can't really, you know, say a whole lot more, but like I said, it might even be the sleaziest shit I've ever fucking seen in my life. It's awesome, man. The seventies muff. So beautiful, you know, <laughs> really, really awesome. You know, just so much of it. It's fantastic. Uh, it looks like our, your beard. <laughs> it, it really, it really fucking does, man. Except for all the muffs are, bl- they're, they're dark. They're not red like this. Um, but yeah, I highly recommend this one, man. Really, really awesome sleazy giallo, man. Like if you like giallos and you like your sleaze and you like them put together, get the sister of Ursula, man. Really fucking awesome stuff. And it, it brought a smile to my face because, you know, I'm kind of going like, where the fuck is this going? And, you know, and then when the ending happens, I go, 
oh, for fight, everything fucking connects because they tell the story and it's not convoluted. They tell the story the way it is, you know, throughout the film and you kind of got to piece things together and it makes a lot of fucking sense, which is nice, you know. So I give this one, you know, a solid seven and a half out of ten. Uh, I, I think it's awesome. The, the music's amazing in it, too. But the locations that they shot in are fucking beautiful, man. Really, really beautiful. Like, I think it's in Italy. And, you know, it's right on the right on the water shore and like, oh, just awesome. Really, really good stuff. So Sister Versa from 1970, check it out. Awesome stuff. Severn did a great job with the uh, um, with the transfer, too. It looks fantastic. Anamorphic widescreen. It's great. It's in that uh, that Euro sleaze box set that just came out from from Severn and stuff. So grab that and get that shit for really cheap, actually. And yeah, enjoy. <laughs> enjoy <laughs> your stuff. muff. Enjoy your muff. Yeah, I, there's you know, giallos are hard to review because you can't really say anything, but... Curious about the phallic symbol. Oh, fuck. Well, I don't know <laughs> what gotta, it is. You gotta see this, man. It's awesome. Good stuff, man. Oh, this one blew my, blew my mind. I'd never heard anyone talk about it before, mm. so I didn't really know anything going into it, right? That it was just, uh, you know, reading the, you know, the quotes and stuff. Delightfully sleazy and sleazy and sleazy. and Everything was sleazy. And I'm like, oh, this is right up my alley, but it's worth it. Check it out. So, yeah. We got any quick cuts, guys? None for me, but I know JP has some. You got no quick cuts this week? Okay. JP, I know you got some quick cuts. Well, quick cuts. <clears throat> I actually didn't watch. I watched a few non-horror films this week. Um, wow. They are sci-fi. So, I guess I, guess I could just talk about them since Jeremy threw, them at, threw the quick cuts thing at me. Uh they are – and the moment that Jeremy talked about Gummo and what we watched, I feel like I could talk about these. So, Oh, fuck you. <laughs> you fucking asshole. But, okay, <laughs> I'll, I'll run, through, the, I'll run through these really quick. Uh, I spent the couple day, last past couple days almost making it through the entire original Planet of the Apes films. Uh, so Planet of the Apes from 1968. This film is very epic in scale and scope and what I was – impressed uh, just how crazy it was uh you know from the effects of the actual apes to just the amount of them to the cinematography at the beginning of the film these you know huge shots of uh, you know of you know in a plane or whatever the hell they used to to get these shots very good stuff there uh obviously a lot of uh social commentary and uh, religious stuff, things like that. Um, Planet of the Apes, 1968, 8.5 out of 10. Beneath the Planet of the Apes from 1970. Uh, this one was also pretty good. It's still in that uh, location like and set that I like. Uh, but it got a little wonky at the end. I didn't really like the way that it played out. Uh, so I'm just going to give that one a 6.5 out of 10. Uh, then we have Escape from Planet of the Apes. This one's from 1971. This one is really slow. They remove from the uh, world of the apes to uh, kind of like present day-ish Earth. Uh, yeah, and yeah. it's two apes, three at the beginning. Uh, it's just – it's more about it, – it still has all of those um, issues that they're dealing with and um, you know social commentary and stuff like that. Uh, but just – it's it's just not that entertaining. So uh, 5.5 out of 10 on that one. And then we have Conquest of the Planet of the Apes from 1972. Uh, that one, um, it's a little more dark. Uh, 
I had one major issue with it. There's one big plot hole. And the plot hole is they all know that apes are going to take over the Earth one day. And they're scared of that idea of them uh, being advanced enough to wipe out humans. Yet they are training all of them to be smarter. It makes no sense at all. So um, that yeah, was yeah. stupid as hell for me. So uh, six out of ten on that one. One thing I was very surprised at, and I haven't got to the fifth one yet, which is the final one, the original series, according to what I know, is yep. that the, there's continuity in all of them. And they kind of bend it a little bit to make it make sense. But I, I was really impressed with the continuity. Um, and obviously it's a little contrived at times, but, uh, I was impressed with the continuity and I was surprised that they all followed each other. And these films, bam, 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 all came out really close to each other. All right. So moving into my not so quick cuts of the week. (laughs) See you guys in an hour. Isn't that how it always is? No, it shouldn't be too long. It shouldn't be too long. I'll rip through these. Uh, first up from 1957 is the Roger Corman classic, not of this earth. Uh, it's a film I reviewed on Body Bag, so I'm just short and long of this one right here. Uh, you know, Alien gets beamed down to Earth to save the people of this planet because, you know, they're all dying off. I'm not going to get into the specifics. Really, really fucking fun film. This one was remade in 1988, of course, starring Tracy Lords. Um, yeah, you know, this one's awesome. I love, love Not of This Earth. It's such a fantastic sci-fi horror film. Uh, eight out of ten. Check it out if you've never checked it out awesome stuff from 1959 we've got the giant gila monster um yeah i've been watching a lot of these 50s films man i'm fucking really digging them right now basically it's just about a giant lizard that are that's killing off people (laughs) there's really no storyline to it it's actually kind of funny that there is really basic no story to it it's okay the effects are kind of like whatever um still kind of entertaining passable five and a half out of ten not you know it's not the greatest one in the world uh the killer shrews from 1959 also um i believe this is from also the same director actually of the giant gila monster um the killer shrew is basically about two you know um scientists that are (laughs) accidentally fucked up with their experiments on these shrews and created some giant killer ones on this island and now a bunch of people need to get their way off there um very enjoyable i thought the shrews looked awesome in this really fun stuff uh six and a half out of ten I watched Maniac from 1934. This is basically uh, an inter, uh, you know, it's basically Edgar Allan Poe's The Black Cat slash with uh, Murders in the Room Org kind of deal um, about a guy that kills off the scientist. He takes his identity and then, you know, it's basically from 1934 and it's about, you know, uh, sickness and shit like that. It's it's kind of interesting like how it's done. But honestly, what ruins this film is the fucking acting is so over the top and ridiculous in it. It act it's hard to watch. You're just like, fuck, man. But still kind of entertaining. Anything that's a you know Edgar Allan Poe adapted, I'm still gonna check out. Uh, but it's passable, barely five out of ten. Maniac, eh. Uh, Westworld, not really a horror film, but I'll throw it in there because it does have killer robot, bo- killer robots from 1973. Killer robots. Killer robots. Uh, Westworld basically about. Uh, it's like a, you know, it's like a park, you know, that you can go to and spend like $1,200 a day. And it's, you know, it's in the old West, you know, and it's got like real like uh, livable, you know, robots that are, they're just like people. And it's just like living exactly in the wild West. Of course, these robots go apeshit and start killing off the humans. And it's fucking awesome. It's such an amazing film. It's so, it's so much fun. Um, eight out of 10. And from 1976, it's sequel future world, which is starring Peter Fonda. 
basically has continuity. Uh, Peter Fonda plays a reporter that actually he's the reporter that broke the case of Westworld to the to the world about, you know, these robots killing off their, you know, their their guests. Um, so they've been invited to Future World, which is the new Westworld um, to see, you know, basically to show them that it's safe. And of course, shit goes haywire there also uh, in Future World. Um, not as enjoyable, kind of slow at times. Um, definitely not even close to as good as Westworld, but it's still passable. I give it about a five and a half out of ten. There's a uh, next up, remake TV series coming out of this. Yeah, that, I know. That's awesome. Uh, from 2011, I finally checked out Super 8. I never watched this movie before. Good film. Me either. Um, I, yeah, I, fi- I grabbed the Blu-ray for 7 bucks, and I was like, you know what? I think that's the price is right. I'll grab the Blu-ray, finally check it out. That's exactly what I did. It. Fucking loved it, man. I, I thought you, it was man. such a great film. I had so much. It has everything that I love, man. And, you know, there's so much nostalgia in the film, you know, about these little kids that are making a... It, well, the movie's based in 1979, which is totally awesome. Uh, these kids that are making a film on Super 8 film, and, of course, they witness a huge train crash and, you know huge monster that comes out of it and then they have to unsolve the mystery of what the fuck is going on with this shit uh it's awesome though man because they're making a horror film and i love the thing in the film that you know you see like you know the halloween poster and like you know all these like nostalgic Mm -hmm. posters and i just love everything about super 8 it's kind of like goonies but like a horror version in a way you know it's about these six kids that basically have to unravel the shit really enjoyable film Uh, i was always freaked out when it was you know you know, presented by Steven Spielberg or executive produced or whatever the fuck it was. But you know what? If you're not a fan of Spielberg, forget it. Just Super 8's awesome. (laughs) I loved it. Eight and a half half out of ten. Brides of Blood from 1968, uh, basically about these humanitarians that go to this island to help out these, you know, this tribe with their their shit. They ultimately realize that there's some crazy shit going on on the island. These plants and other shit are alive because of some radioactivity that was going on on the island before they got there. Uh, Very slow, like uh, JP talked about with... um, beast of blood um very slow you know it's kind of cheesy the editing is bad in this one and i think it's very much very similar to what he was talking about i give i give it a pass though man there was some elements that actually made me laugh and i thought it was kind of funny adr is off in the film which sucked uh that was annoying sound effects were a little bit off too so that was annoying but still passable five and a half out of ten Next up from 2003 is a Stuart Gordon film called King of the Ants. Not necessarily a horror film, but it is a revenge film about a guy that gets hired on to do a job. He kills off this this reporter. Uh, the mob that he gets hired by doesn't want to fucking pay him. So he says, fuck you guys. And he goes out on a rampage and he decides that he's going to fucking, you know, do some shit up. Um, <laughs> King of the Ants. Um enjoyable film man i really like it. i, I kind of like it. i love the lead in king of the ants man i think he's awesome man dude his goose egg on his fucking head man oh nasty when they beat the living sh- oh awesome it's got uh what's his name um norm from cheers in it uh george went george went he's in this film um enjoyable i like king of the ants man seven out of ten i it, had a blast with it. it it's funny because i picked that up and i was like yeah i love killer ant movies <laughs> and it's clearly not a killer ant movie somebody uh, commented on my video when i picked it up <laughs> oh no it's totally a revenge but yeah <clears throat> um Next up from 1972 is the first half of the newly released uh, Screen Factory double feature, uh, Blackula. Of course, um, you know, uh, the, <laughs> how do I put it? This, this Didn't black you guy. Mentioned this in one the, last week? No, no, I didn't talk. I think I talked about getting the Blu ray in. I hadn't watched them yet, though. Oh. So, anyways, Blackula. 
uh, is basically about a um, black guy. The movie starts out in, in the 1700s. Uh, he goes to this uh, this white slave owner, um, or to dr- basically Dracula's house, which he doesn't know. Anyways, he he tries to plead with them to you know kind of break this fucking slavery shit. Anyways, Dracula, he's also Dracula. He fucking turns this black guy into a vampire. He wakes up a couple hundred years in the future, and of course he's you know on the rampage for blood and shit like that. There's a lot of undertones in this film, of course, with uh, you know. The, you know, basically about whites suppressing you know black people and the, there's a lot of interesting things happening in blackula and the, the interesting thing about blackula is that it's totally straight faced man this movie is not a comedy at all which i fucking loved it was fantastic the the main character that plays blackula is awesome he's so good man he's fucking awesome has a, that exploitation type feel to it the music the uh the approach to it it's pretty awesome really entertaining seven out of ten uh, next up is the second half of the double feature, Scream, Blackula, Scream, of course, starring, fuck, I, I'm sorry, I can't remember the guy's name, but the same guy from Blackula who plays Blackula. Uh, also, Pam Greer's in this one, um, basically about a guy that uh, wants to get revenge on this cult leader that has nominated his, uh, basically his stepsister to to run this cult or whatever. Anyways, what he does is he goes out and he buys this shit to to do some cult shit or whatever. Anyways, it turns out it's actually the bones, which spoiler alert, <laughs> the bones of Blackula. Anyways, he ends up resurrecting Blackula and he comes back. He turns this guy into a vampire. Oh, I forgot. This is a feature blade. review. Sorry. I'll be back. So, uh, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, really highly enjoyable. Again, all the same elements and there's really, it's not, it's not downgraded at all from Blackula. I think it's really fun. Uh, a lot of good stuff going on in this one. Again, seven out of 10 demon seed from 1977. Uh, basically about a scientist that's created this ultimate computer program that's supposed to like you know absorb like all the human information and it's it's basically used for science they want to you know use it to you know explore medical things and stuff like that anyways he has a system in his house ultimately it kind of turns on his wife and tries to basically conceive a baby with her (laughs) premise sounds pretty wonky but it's amazing it's such a good film uh, eight out of ten. Killer Mermaid from two thousand fourteen. Watched all of these in one week. How? I did Killer Killer Mermaid from two thousand fourteen because I watched like three films a night at work. Uh, Killer Mermaid uh, from two thousand fourteen, uh, basically about a, a couple girls that are on a vacation, and uh, ultimately <laughs> they go to this island where they're not supposed to be at. They all they discover that there's like this fucking weird mermaid thing there and it becomes like a you know they're getting chased down by this mermaid now very simple premise to it uh it's got franco near in it pretty fucking cool film i actually really enjoyed this one i actually enjoyed it a lot more than i expected to um there's i like the mythology behind the whole mermaid and why the mermaid was on this island and you know they have this whole explanation in it it's actually quite entertaining it does leave you open-ended for a um sequel which is pretty cool uh seven out of ten and that is going to do for quick cuts nice nice all righty so get into the main featured i don't know why we say main get into the featured review for episode 47 which is the newly the newly released screen factory blu-ray courtesy of the sci-fi channel it is not a chiller classic (laughs) (laughs) Released by Sci-Fi, and it is called Dark Hall from 2014. In the new world, the 13th child of a 13th child will be born, man and beast. Some sort of power connects me to my brother. As we grew older, 
It grew stronger. They call themselves the Keepers. These men who have held us prisoner since birth. Beast or man, one shall fall. We have them contained and weakened. If there was ever a time to do this, it's now. They've tried to hide us from the world. She has to die too. She's not like her brother. She has a devil in her. He's loose. If we let her, she'll lead us right to the beast. He'll find us and kill you all. Help me recapture your brother and I will give you your freedom. There's no good in your brother. No love, only pain. Only what you put there. Oh, God, what a stealing pile of shit this movie is. Okay, so let's set up the story first, though. Oh, fuck it. Yeah, let's, uh, let's do the story here. Someone want to tell the story of this one? Well, it's kind of uh, – we're dealing Oof. with a Jersey devil, but it's kind of done in a different way. We have a prophecy where a baby, the 13th son of the 13th son or something – had a baby and it was a half man half uh, beast uh creature type well, thing basically what the what the backstory is that the 13th child that has uh 13th <laughs> what the fuck i had no idea what the fuck that's was what i going just said on. the 13th child that has a 13th child right <laughs> yeah so that child the father, the father of the 13th child which hence the new jersey devil <laughs> becomes like a half man, half yeah. kind of beast type deal, or whatever. So the dad was the 13th child and he ha- he's having his 13th child and it becomes the New Jersey devil. That's what the legend of the New Jersey devil or the New Jersey, the Jersey devil is. I don't know why I keep saying New Jersey. Was that the um, actual legend of the Jersey devil? Cause I didn't know that. Yeah, it actually is. If you're, if, <laughs> if you're having your 13th child and you're the 13th child yourself, that's apparently this is what happens. So that's what oh, the I can't legend say I've is. ever heard that happening before. <laughs> well, it's just a just kind of a fictitious legend, I guess. I don't yeah, know. I'm sure would, it's happened, I, dude. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, that's the backstory. So. Yeah. So the, the this is you know years later, uh, the devil has grown up and he has a half human sister, uh, and there's kind of this secret guardian of the Jersey Devil who's like trying to take him places. Uh, to a more secure location, he escapes, and the sisters like connected with him. <laughs> well, kind of like what's going on here? There's, the fire, there's like an organization. Man, there's an organization, basically, or you can call them. You can call them religious people or an organ, religious organization, whatever. They know about Jersey Devil and the sister and what it can possibly happen if it's escaped. So what they've done is they've they've kind of like secluded it for the last you know 250 or 300 years in this establishment but now they figured that this establishment is not safe for the jersey devil anymore because yeah, it's only they held decide- it for 250 years 
Exactly. I know. <laughs> I'm not saying the story's perfect. Um, but anyways, they decide that they have to move it to another location. And along this journey, they decide that, well, this is probably the perfect time to destroy it because, of course, um, uh, Tom Sizemore has the biggest balls ever. <laughs> you know, he's the smartest guy alive. And he he's decided that he knows exactly um, – how to kill this thing and this will save humanity because basically if the Jersey devil gets out there, it's supposed to be like the next coming. It's going to take over the world. Like, cause it's like a demon seed. Right. Um, so yeah, the story's not really the, uh, it's not terrible, dude. It, it's mean, not it's... terrible, but I mean, it's so ridiculous though. I mean, like you said, you know, the story, first of all, this thing has been housed there for like 300 years. They've contained this thing. They've yeah, contained this which, thing. All of a sudden, they decide that they're going to have to move it. But Tom Sizemore, he just knows. He knows how to kill this thing. And he actually says the line, I know how to kill this thing in the movie, at least 491 times. I counted. Yeah, so my thing is, you can obviously, this, you know, goes back to Animal, where, like, these these scripts are not written you know they're not written enough times there's not enough drafts because all you have to do is explain well hey we have to move it every so often because of this or you explain like this place is no good anymore because something's happening here you know you just have to write something in instead of just being like yeah it's worked for 250 years but we're gonna move him now (laughs) yeah there's a lot of you know a lot of religious things that are going on in this film obviously but th- but that's the other thing they don't really go into they don't really explain exactly who this organization is housing this people like you just kind of assume that it's you know these religious you know well, but yeah, they don't that, even like seem religious that priest, themselves that priest that's a guy well that's the thing like i mean they have him you know because he's actually <laughs> the religious yeah. figure but this organization apparently is you know you know they're lack of a better word but spawned by you know that type of community to hold these people or to hold this devil um a lot of that thing is a lot of that story is not even developed at all you know it's just kind of like okay we're here um there's some other really convoluted things that are in this story because you know with the sister i i could never figure out exactly because i've read up on the jersey devil mythology and all this i don't remember about him having a sister that was half human and where that all plays into, I think this is where they kind of change the whole story a little bit. And the whole Halo thing was driving me a little nuts. Uh, yeah. I <sighs> Because the Halo, basically what a Halo is and, you know, religious, you know, I'm not a religious person myself. But what I've gathered is Halo is basically, you know, it's like it's almost like a it's almost like a force field around a, 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 per, a person right you know it's, it's almost like to save that person it protects them from you know type evils and shit like that but this is where the whole story gets so convoluted because the sister in this film is she out to save her brother or is she against him <laughs> like well we never really like find out you know there's so many things going on with her that's so yeah. weird and like you know all these you know the jersey devil can control people that's a new kind of mythology thing, I think, from what I remember. I've never liked the, the Jersey Devil um, legend anyway. So, But it just seems everything that's happening in this film is so convoluted. Like, it doesn't really make a lot of sense because, you know, there's times where – a perfect example is the um, the priest in this film where he grabs the can of pop, goes to drink, he realizes grenade, boom. Spoiler alert. Best death in the film. <laughs> um, but this is where it comes in. You get these crazy hallucinations that are controlled by the Jersey Devil – or the but well the halo is to protect her to protect her I think 
you know, that's the thing. What I've gathered for the Halo is it's it's like a protector. Well, no, I thought no, I thought Halo was like oh, it's like a, a, it's like a, a an illusion. It's like an because they were like killing like random people. <laughs> like when that guy got shot in the outside with that absolutely horrendously bad CGI blood. It's like yeah, I think he was hallucinating that he thought the guy was the Jersey Devil and he shot and killed him. Which is interesting because I I think the actual meaning of what a Halo is is to protect you know it's a hue around a specific someone that's supposed to protect them so I, that's why i was so confused i was like halo and like what the fuck is going on with this but i was just taking the film for what it was and then i saw a, a bunch of really really shoddy and shitty cgi oh this like, has to be quite fuck? possibly some of the worst cgi i've ever seen in my life nah, what, like, is going on? what the fuck is going on here man Dude, this look is at 2000 the fucking- 2014. Why look, am I seeing CGI like that? It looked like from 2003. Look at the fire in the gas station. I was pissing my pants laughing. Oh, the Literally. fire. I have not is... laughed that hard in such a long time. It looks so bad. The it's fire wasn't even funny. the worst thing. Honestly, the scene where he cuts that one, the where the devil's holding up that dude and he's cut in half. I literally broke out. I was yes, like laughing so hard. I'm like, that CG was so fucking bad. And it just fire, reminded me of what you said. <laughs> Of what you've seen in like 2003. Yeah, it does. It does. But to me, I don't know, man. Like all of these sci-fi type films have CGI like that for me. I, 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 I like the CGI isn't my number one problem because I can get past some of that and and enjoy a film still, especially if it's a sci-fi film where you know these are those type these are made like this. But I never find it like funny enough like some people watch these and they can enjoy it because they laugh at it i can never find it funny enough to actually make me laugh out loud so like no, to it, me i just okay. end up like bored a lot of times see the difference is between a film like this that's made for sci-fi like dark hall and a film like sharknado and the reason why i'm comparing these is because they're sci-fi made films sharknado is meant to be funny and stupid you know it's ridiculous it's fucking sharks in a tornado it's stupid the Jersey Devil is actually supposed to be a serious story. This this the movie is supposed to be straight it's yeah. straight faced, man. It's it's fucking serious, man. Like uh-huh. it's a, potentially a devil taking over the world if it gets you know, escapes Ouch. and and all the shit. This is serious, and that's mm-hmm. why when the CG is really fucking bad in it, you're like, what the fuck? It's so stupid. When I see a shitty ass shark in Sharknado and some really bad CGI. I'm like, who cares? See, the I don't know. The movie's man. stupid to start out with. This I, is not supposed to be stupid. The tone is darker. Sharknado is not. That yeah, is where it separates on, in these type of movies, man. Well, this, we've said it, it the before, CG hurts though, the film. A we, lot. We've we've said it before that uh, the um, ones that are serious and and are trying are sometimes funnier than the ones who are atten- intentionally trying to be funny and you know i haven't seen sharknado so i can't use that one as an example but for something like mega shark versus giant octopus like i don't like those films that much and i would rather watch i would rather watch neither but if i had to choose i would pick something like this over one of those oh not me man shark oh that movie's fun as hell when the shark so... fucking when the shark bites the fucking plane <laughs> So good. I was but like anyways, sitting. Back I was sitting one. in my seat watching it. I feel my eyelids just closing very rapidly. I was just like JP oh, no, said. I, I was getting so fucking bored. The acting was fucking horrendously bad in in the first place. And you know me with acting. I can't stand bad acting. Wow, interesting. I, I had no problem with the acting. Yeah, I, I had none. And, and to be honest, and to be honest, Tom I was Sizemore's never bored. In this, okay. I was never bored in this film whatsoever because. 
I was curious on what they were going to do with the story of the Jersey Devil because I've seen a bunch of Jersey Devil films and they're all so different. And this one was really kind of kind of intriguing me because they had this halo shit going on and they had like all these weird fucking things going on. And I was like the fucking there's a sister. I was like, what the hell's going on here? I don't know. So I, I was intrigued in this film. And but I mean, you know, and and to be honest, there was really no downtime in this film to be bored. I don't know where you were. I mean, there was a lot of action. This film almost seemed like a goddamn action film to me. There was so much fucking yeah, action. There was. And but not that it's just like I I was just bored by the story in general. I think I wasn't I wasn't bored by the action or anything like that. I just felt like I didn't enjoy the story very much. So I, of course, I wasn't going to. You know, if I if the story's intriguing and interesting, of course I'm not going to be bored. But even with the action, you know, it doesn't kind of save the movie from not being boring, in my opinion. But I mean, I guess I mean. But you know I mean, me, I'm not I'm not used to watching shitty movies. Once again, as we get back into the Oscar bullshit, but seriously, I'm not used to watching low uh, budget movies like this one i'm not a fan of the new era of like the mega sharks and stuff like that i just don't like them and this isn't quite like that for me um but i actually didn't i've seen way worse films than this like i i was never like oh my god just please end please end i was just like this is kind of stupid a lot of things don't make sense there's some bad cgi but at the same time i don't know that it was like it was fast paced, like Moon said. So I mean, I, I was I was enjoying aspects of it a little bit. I mean, I didn't, I didn't, I don't think I hated it as much as Jeremy. No, I honestly didn't really actually hate this film that much at all. I mean, I had problems with, like I said, I thought CG was shit. Like it was really, really bad. But then, it, 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 then, but then, to, you know, to mix things up a little bit, I said to myself, like, read out loud. I was like, are they going to show the devil, like, you know, that's not CGI'd? And then, pow, they show it. You know, yeah. it's like a fucking dude in a fucking suit. And I was yeah, like, there's some go? That's not there. so bad. But. The main issue with this movie is that there's a lot of kind of plot holes and things that aren't explained that I think kind of hurt the overall feel because this movie is meant to be serious, right? You need to explain a little bit of shit, you know, and oh, I, I like Tom Tom Sizemore in the film. But seriously, he said, I know how to kill this thing like 400 times. It was fucking <laughs> ridiculous. It was getting to the point. It was like, oh I didn't God, even, I wrote this think film. I noticed. Like Gee, I said, I I don't even know why I noticed that, but I kept hearing him say and 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 basically pleading to everybody. He's like, "I know how to kill this thing. Let's do this," you know. And it's like, but then well, Buddy kept saying, "He's like, it. what happens if it goes wrong? What happens if it goes wrong?" And he's just like, "Don't worry about it. I know how to kill this." But what happens if it? What happens if you if you don't kill it? Don't worry. I know how to kill this. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck? This is some bad writing. But I was getting entertainment value out of it, which was fine for me. So, I guess I probably wouldn't have watched this movie if it wasn't for the show. Like, I had no interest to oh. watch it. But yeah, honestly, though, if, I caught, if I caught this one on sci-fi, I would enjoy – I would – like, if I was – see, I was expecting a little better because of, like, Animal and some of the other Scream Factory contemporaries that we've seen. But if I was going into this on the sci-fi channel and was like, you know, this was one of their original movies that they built up for a couple weeks or something when I used to watch the sci-fi channel a lot. I I wouldn't I would have enjoyed it more. Like I, I I don't like I don't hate these series. Like yeah, there's tons of plot holes and stuff, but to me it's it like I I didn't have like a major problem with the CGI because all those fucking sci-fi channel movies have terrible CGI. You you expect that. 
Well, I, I explained why I didn't like the CGI, though, man. When you have a serious tone film and you see really kind of goofy, laughable CGI, it, it kind of makes you laugh. But like I, I said, like when that. you see that, I, I the CG, the CG that. is practically the same that you see in, in Sharknado. But it's funny because it's the fucking tone is different and it's stupid. No, this movie, I was anticipating. <laughs> well, that's your opinion. That's your opinion. I can have fun because I'm actually outgoing, you know, <laughs> so or, unlike like, you. Or you know, you take everything so damn like fucking serious. No, I don't like everything, <laughs> but I can I respect a lot of things and I have fun with things because that's who I am. Yeah, you know, and I, I understand like why you could have fun with it, but I, to me, they just they, I don't, I just don't. And um, the, but these films, like I would, I actually prefer the serious tone. And even if something looks silly, uh, and they treat it, and the actors are treating it like it looks scary, like to me that that works more than. Uh, actors knowing that it's silly and no, like I don't really like self-aware stuff. I, I think that it's I, I I just think that it's stupid sometimes, and I don't get it most of the times. So mm-hmm. I, I prefer these types over those. But that that's not saying that I I le- necessarily like these types either, though. You know, it's just I prefer. You know, them. But there's there's so many dumb things about this film that like kind of kind of threw me off a little bit. Like towards the end, there like basically. Um, they're saying that the relics, you know, like all these religious relics and stuff can hold off the the Jersey Devil and stuff like that. Right. So they're in the, they're trapped in this warehouse and that's kind of their only option. They kind of put these relics around this warehouse, you know, to prevent the devil from coming in. Well, what happens three seconds later? Some dude standing by a fucking window. The devil reaches right in, fucking grabs this guy and tears him apart. I'm like, well, that all got thrown out the fucking window quite literally. I'm like certain things like that. I'm just like, man, this movie's so sloppy. Like it's ridiculous. Like I'm, I'm really, really, really trying to like this movie because I want to find a Jersey Devil film that I actually really enjoy. I don't like. Yeah, there's not. I've never seen one. I've never seen one that I actually enjoyed. And uh, you know, and you know, there were certain things that were just bugging the fucking shit out of me, man. But what it all comes down to, I was kind of entertained a lot of the time in this, and. I don't know, man. I didn't think it was the worst. It's by not even far the worst thing I've ever fucking seen in my life. But it's you know, one of like the said, better I, Sci-Fi Channel movies, in my opinion, of recent memory. But you know, yeah, I, I don't. don't I don't tolerate shitty movies. I'm sorry. Like, do you like stuff what? like Mega Shark? Me? Yeah. Hell no! Okay. I, mean, I don't even watch that. Come See, on, I'm not trying Jeremy, to be a pretentious. I'm not trying to be a pretentious film student, but it's like I just there's nothing pretentious about not liking those. Those are bad I just, movies. I just can't stand watching bad movies. No, it's called being snobbish. I'm not being snobbish. <laughs> He's not, I just don't those just, are bad it's movies. It's not even pretentious. And, it's not even pretentious. Nobody man, could snobbish. argue successfully that those are not bad movies. No, I'm not saying they're not bad movies, but you can still find entertainment value in them. If but you're I not a Fina snob. Yeah, if you can. you're not can. a fucking snob. You can. I, I can't really find much. I mean, there's some here and there. Oh, like, Frankenfish was How awesome. How you fucking Sharknado with a couple buddies I haven't seen beers. it. I might like that one. And, so like, I'm not, not enjoy it. It's so there you much go. That's, fucking fun. That's the key word. With a few buddies. If you're watching it by yeah, yourself. Obviously, that changes a lot bad. of things. But that's but, the point. But those type of movies are the movies you throw them with. I don't buddy have buddies who, who have a watch couple films <laughs> like none and none that would watch that. <sighs> <laughs> Jesus but Christ. what I'm saying is no, like those films to me just I've never I like films like Troll Two, which are uh, a guy trying really Four hard and, and think he's them. making a good film, 
and it it's n- clearly not like the the ones that try hard are i find funnier than the ones that are, know they're bad and try to be bad because they know they're bad i don't like those i just i they're not i don't find any entertainment in them like mutantis yeah like mutantis is the perfect example mutantis is a terrible movie and even though it's like Moon said, a movie can be terrible and still entertaining at the same time. But to me, those films are terrible and not entertaining. So, you know, I don't know. Snobs, fucking snobs has nothing to do podcast. with snobs, dude. Yeah, you guys are fucking snobs. But yeah, like this movie, though, man. Overall, is like I don't know, man. It was like I really, really just wanted to enjoy it. Man. I want to know like, who makes all these movies. It's kids my age that are coming out of film school. Not necessarily. Usually, it's like older people who didn't really. But believe me, I've directed for higher type jobs. Like I just wish I've heard people who are like coming out and just that's what they go to. I just really wish the script was better in this man. Like they had explained some things because there's so many things I'm just like for fuck's sakes, man. Although I did like you know the uh, the sister. What the fuck's her name, man? Evelena Marie or whatever the fuck her name is. I thought she was okay in the film. You know, I don't know where Jeremy. Like you said, the acting was fucking horrendous. I don't not horrendous. Prob- okay, I'm sorry. I was caught in the moment. I was for most making, of the main it's... characters. Most of the main characters, some of the side ones or whatever. But I don't even consider that. Whatever. It's like who cares? It's but, like, it's the main appropriate level of acting. It might even be above average for these type of films, to be honest. I thought Tom Sizemore was fine. Like he was, it, it was what it was, right? Like yeah. you know, so mm-hmm. yeah. And even though I can like something like Troll for Troll what two it's still a bad movie and it's still a four just like this film uh, even though i found certain things about it enjoyable it's still a bad movie mm-hmm. yeah it definitely is not uh not great <laughs> that's for sure i don't know man like I, I i felt like i was gonna be the one defending this one because you know like i always am with shitty fucking bad movies but um i don't know man there's just a lot of things about this movie i did not care for but for me, what it really came down to was the simple fact that I wanted to see the end. You know, I was, I wanted, I watched it read through and obviously I watched it read through, but I was curious on what the fuck was going to happen and stuff. And, you know, it's not great. It's not great. It's not the worst thing I've ever seen, but there were some moments where I actually did laugh and I laughed. I laughed fucking hard at the fire part as Derek. I was talking to Derek last night. I was telling, I was pissing my pants laughing, man. Oh, that I fucking laughed. Was some I of laughed. The worst. I laughed horribly so at the priest death. At the priest death, I laughed so hard at that. <laughs> I was oh. like, because I didn't really see that death coming. I thought he was going to be a little more to the end, have a you know, well, mm-hmm. <laughs> spoiler alert, but you know, just have you know a, a part right in the end, you know, because he was the religious figure in this situation, right? But so that kind of cracked like fire CGI. It's not the hardest thing. Make it look a little bit fucking what better. The funny like, thing Jesus is actually, Christ. But they uh, fucking yeah, blew well, up some shit in this film. For real. They actually had a budget to blow up some shit. They blew up the fucking cars for real. Yeah. Those were real effects, man. Yeah, and but like, the gas station, it's like... Yeah, the oh, gas station God. was ridiculous. And that's what kind of cracked me up. You can tell like the budget was like mid-level. You know, They're blowing up cars and they're blowing up other shit, but they got this really shoddy CG in certain parts. <laughs> there was even CG uh, gunshot blood yep. in when a couple the, parts, too. When they shot the Halo... Like when they were outside and it like she was in the truck and she was getting shocked and like they shot one of the guys <laughs> in mm-hmm. the fucking CGI blood. It was hilarious. It was bad. Mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. know. What it's, ratings? 
yeah, I guess we can get into the rating. Jeremy, Jeremy, I'm curious to hear your rating right off the top. Three out of ten for Dark Hall. Mm. Meds? <laughs> I am going to go with a strictly pass on this. I'm going with five out of ten. Like, just for pure entertainment value. There's so many things. About, this movie is so contrived. There's so many problems with it, you know. But, yeah. I, I didn't hate it as much as everyone else, man. It's, get, it's getting a mid-level pass for me, man. Oh, man. Okay, so go, going in, you know, um, I liked the serious tone of the film. And I think that's what a kind five? of saved it for me. Uh, I felt like it was a throwback to early sci-fi, man. Sci-fi films that originally was on sci-fi, like They Nest, uh, which was completely serious, terrible CGI, killer bugs, but it was serious and it worked for me. Uh, You know, there was films like uh, Snakehead Terror, and there was a bunch of these old sci-fi channel films, uh, Tremors, some of one of the later Tremors, I think, was, but they were serious, and and I liked sci-fi back then. And it kind of was a throwback to that. Not as good. Um, I'm going to go with a three and a half. <laughs> I knew I was going to come in the highest on this one. I, I didn't really, it didn't really bother me a whole lot. There's so many shitty elements of this film, but eh, whatever. So that is definitely not uh, Hall of Pain material. But we don't even have a Hall of Pain, so what the fuck am I talking about, man? Man, I thought it was going to make it. No. You can't make something that isn't Yeah, I, I don't know what the what is making it again. Under ten. Three reviews under ten. Okay. So now. So this is technically eleven and a half. Five's high, man. Five is high moods. Yeah, whatever, man. I stick to it. I'm my own person, man. I rate on how the fuck I want it. And I explained I explained myself. I explained exactly why I gave it that reason, so you can't even argue. JP, what did you give Mutantis? Uh three and a half, I think. This is better than Mutantis, definitely. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. A lot better, and you gave a lot it lot better. You gave it the same rating. Yeah, it's a different film. It's not the same. It's not the same in tone and stuff. I give Thanks Killing a f- fucking five, and I definitely have seen film Troll Two's better than Thanks Killing, but uh, or more okay. more enjoyable. Anyway. Okay, whatever. Like I said, we all have different. Uh, we all have different ways of. Um, you know, rating films, but yeah, I know. I, Enter- entertainment value for me is, you know, like I, I stressed a lot of shit that I didn't like in this film, but yeah, whatever. Yeah, I was, I'm like ex- I was shit, expecting. I'm, 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 I'm not, I'm not a, a cinema, I'm not a cinema stop, man. Like to be honest, like yeah. I just whatever, man. I've to seen be honest, you like way worse, man. <laughs> Wait, what's that? I said to be honest, you like most things. No, I don't. Yes, you do. Yeah, you do. <laughs> Because I'm again not a cinema snob, dude. Why, what? I mean, what? We're not. I'm not a dude. I am far from a cinema snob. Okay. I enjoy. No, I'm, t- I'm talking more about Jeremy though, man. Like seriously, <laughs> well, Jeremy, he's always of course, he doesn't he watch bad films. Of course he is. And I'm like, for he'll be sake. like in film school. This is considered. A- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I want to make a living. <laughs> I don't think. See, those are the things that you say that make you come off that way. <laughs> I don't even think you're aware. Making a great living right now. Yeah. Well, what do you do you expect me to do right now? Uh, okay. Anyways, anyways. Uh, sure, I'll say I'm a cinema snob. Do I watch these movies? Those, if I was a cinema snob, I wouldn't even fucking watch them, nor be on the show. So, kiss my mm-hmm. motherfucking ass. Well, I, I mean, that's, I, that's I, not I, entirely I, true. I, I watch anything, but I'm, I'm gonna be like, I can't lie to myself and be like, yeah, this is was a decent 
average movie. To me, it wasn't. It, it just clearly wasn't average for me. And I, I would be wrong if I gave it a higher rate. It would be wrong of me if I gave it a higher rating than I truly feel about it. Well, aren't we all rating on how we truly feel about it? And once again, I don't think I don't think cinema <laughs> I mean, snobs would go to Cinema Wasteland. I think Cinema Wasteland is like the least cinema snob place to go. So kiss my ass once again. I don't understand the correlation between yeah, cinema, me neither. cinema Wasteland and being a cinema snob. Because you're saying I'm a cinema like, snob. I don't think people it's who just like, underground films, man. You don't. Well, uh, I don't think cinema snobs would be watching underground films. <laughs> Whatever. Whatever, but <laughs> all right. So that's going to conclude the uh, episode forty-seven of the twenty-two shots and moods and horror. I uh, hope you enjoyed that uh, last review. Um, <laughs> uh, of course, of Dark Hall, the sci-fi fucking classic film from two thousand fourteen. Uh, but yeah, again, I'll remind you: get those voicemails in, and if you don't want to leave voicemail definitely leave a fucking or make a video make a video post it to this episode 47 and uh, you'll be entered into the episode 50 contest so make sure to do that guys and i'll leave you with jeremy next week what are we doing jeremy all right thank you everybody for listening to the 47th episode of 22 shots of moods and horror podcast for us if you want to follow the man moods himself you can do so at youtube.com slash moods 616 you want to follow jp aka the man rates Wee herman you can do so at youtube.com slash double shot j and as always you can follow me on my channel for my 24 hour oscar coverage at youtube.com slash nes ruler 22 as always if you have any questions you could email us at 22 shots of moods and horror at gmail.com it's 22 shots of moods a and d horror at gmail.com and as always you can follow us on twitter twitter.com slash 22 shots podcast and if you have any questions you could also follow us on our facebook page facebook.com search bar 22 shots of moods and horror podcast and always you could go to our website 22 shots of moods and horror.com that's 22 shots of moods and horror.com and if you have any questions for the 50th episode please leave us a voicemail at 724-426-6665 once again that's 724-426-6665. We'll be back next week with the first season of Masters of Horror. Oh, yeah. Later, guys.